You're listening to the Library Pros Podcast with Chris and Bob, a techie librarian and a computer IT guy discussing libraries, technology, and all things this side of the reference desk. Thanks, Carl. Hi, and welcome to episode 18 of the Library Pros Podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Bob. And today we're coming to you today from the Suffolk Cooperative Library System in Bellport, New York. If this is your first time listening, thanks for coming. The Library Pros Podcast is produced bi-monthly, so don't forget to check us out and subscribe to our RSS feed, iTunes, Android, Google Play, and most any podcatcher. Links and notes from today's podcast can be found on our website, www.thelibrarypros.com on Twitter at The Library Pros or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash The Library Pros. Today is a special episode because we are coming from the Suffolk Cooperative Library System. It's our home library system. Yeah, it's going to be And cool. we're going to have a whole bunch of people coming and speaking about the different services that SCLS offers. Uh, but first joining us is Kevin Verbesey, the director of the Suffolk County uh, Co- Suffolk Cooperative Library System. I make that mistake all the time. He's going to do that the whole episode. I'm going to do it. I do. I usually mess something up the whole episode. So... Um, we're going to have some other people coming in later, and we'll introduce them as we go through. So we have some questions for Kevin, like we usually have for all our guests, because we like to have the listeners know a little bit about who's speaking. Um, so Kevin is now the director of SCLS, and we have some questions that we'd like to ask him about his background, like uh, where do you get your master's degree? Sure. Well, first, uh, thank you, Chris. Thank you, Bob, for being here. We're honored to host uh, the podcast here at the Suffolk Cooperative Library System. And uh, it's nice to see friends and some of our members here with us. So it's great that we have a chance to speak with you this morning. Thanks for having Um, us. Um, I got my master's degree at St. John's University. St. Johnny, all right. St. John's University, that's it. Um, At the time when I was going, that was the quickest option to get through (laughs) library school and to get into the field. And that's what I was interested in. So uh, it's a really great experience. St. John's is a great school. Um, Actually, I'm still... Uh, close with some of the people that I took classes with, and that was yeah. a long time ago. So. <laughs> but uh, I highly recommend it to anyone. That's great. Uh, where'd you get your first library job? Uh, my first library job was at the Emma S. Clark Memorial wow. Library. How about that? There Plug for Emma. <laughs> Plug for Emma. There's no I, drinking uh, game for Emma, uh, is there? No drinking game for and Emma. And I, uh, <laughs> I actually started on my 16th birthday, literally wow. on my 16th birthday as a page. That's funny. And I had an opportunity to work there for a couple years while I was a junior and senior in high school, and I left MS Clark the wow. day before I went away to college. So it was That's a great funny. experience, a great library. It's my hometown yeah. library, so it's always been close to my heart. Yeah. And, uh, and you're still in there quite often. I so still do cool. visit. <laughs> I do. I do. I bring my kids there. My wife and I are in there. Yeah. It's a great library. It's a great place. Yeah. 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 So what interested you in libraries, I guess, way back when? Um, I come from a library family. Yeah. My father was the founding director of the Mastic Riches Shirley Community Library, which is one of the larger libraries here in our cooperative system out yeah. in Suffolk County. And uh, so I was around it my entire life, and I was always drawn to it. I worked in a library in high school, had an opportunity to work in my college library. Yeah. Then when I graduated college, was, the wheels were going and trying to figure <laughs> out where I'm going to go. It was a place where I figured at least I could get a job. Yeah. So I uh, came back home from college in Ohio and... Uh, Started working then some part-time jobs at both the Comswag Public Library and the Northport wow. Library, um, and, and while I was enrolled in St. John's, going to library school. That's and cool. So I've had some yeah. experience in a number of the libraries That's out great. here in Suffolk <laughs> County. Proud yeah. to say, never worked in a library, <laughs> public library in my life that wasn't in Suffolk County. Well, so he actually just cool. na- nailed our next question too. Yeah. Oh, I know. Did I? <laughs> yeah, we were going to ask you how many libraries you worked in before uh, you well, got full time. Well, I, I worked in the two of them, <clears throat> and then uh, and then started full time at Comswag. And uh, then had an opportunity to work with a number of libraries. Um, Bob, 
I'm sure remembers this, but when the uh, Suffolk Web was just being developed, which was in the, the early to mid-90s, um, we needed to train, SCLS was developing it, and that was prior to my time here, but we needed to um, train all the librarians in the county on the various access. What is the World Wide Web? Right. What is email? How do you transfer files? Yeah. So I, um, I was one of the, I guess, initial training team that they used, some SCLS staff and myself. So then went out and worked for probably five or six or seven or eight of the yeah. libraries in the county training their staff on that. So yeah. I've, I've had a chance to work in a number of the libraries. So uh, this is a favorite question of mine. So yeah. what was it like the first day you stepped into SCLS and kind of took the reins and sat in the chair behind the desk? And what was that experience It like was exciting. Yeah. It was exciting. Um, you know, having grown up in and around Suffolk County's libraries, I had, a, I think, a good deal of understanding of what the role that SCLS yeah. plays with the libraries in Suffolk County. Um, I knew how important it could be. Um, I had had a chance to watch Jerry Nichols do the job for many years and had great respect for the work that he did. And then I had been a member library director in a couple of different libraries for a number of years. So it was really just an enthusiasm for having a chance to work with my colleagues in a different type of function, yeah. work with the team here at SCLS that's just extraordinary, and it, it was just, uh, just exciting. Pretty I think cool. would be yeah. the best word I could use to describe it. Yeah. Because we're going a little off our script that we say yeah. we never use, um, instead of stopping here and then <clears throat> moving forward, we're going to break our segments up by guest. Yeah. So we have some more questions about SCLS. Sure. Sure. Um, what are some of the major areas that Suffolk County, Suffolk Cooperative Library System, see I did it again. <laughs> Suffolk Cooperative, li Cooperative Library System. SCLS. Uh, SCLS. We'll call it SCLS. So you got to donate five bucks every time I you know. do that. Exactly. And we got to mention Ellen later, too. <laughs> we do. We got to get our payola. Yeah. 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 Ellen Druda is $5. Ellen Druda, $5. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Ellen Druda. Yeah. Yeah. There you so go. So he gets $5. Too. Nice. Excellent. Um, tell us in, in broad terms sure. uh, what SCLS does for the member libraries in yeah. Suffolk County. Just a broad overview. Yeah, sure. I, I think um, we're a cooperative library system. There's 23 public library systems in New York State, the majority of them cooperative library systems. There are a few federated and consolidated systems like New York Public, Queens, yep. Brooklyn, where the system is the library. Right. Um, of the cooperative systems, we're the largest. And I think we play two distinct and critical important roles. And one is... Um, we are the state education department, state libraries wing in Suffolk County. So mm -hmm. when there's a regulatory issue, there's support that a library needs, um, whether it be a patron issue or whether there's something to do with an annual report or a controller's report or some of that more formal things that we have to do as governmental entities, um, we work closely with the libraries on those, issue, on those issues. And that's obviously critical, and that's one of the reasons that library systems were started many years ago. And uh, that's a role that I spend a lot of time on. I think the certainly the more fun and, and certainly just as important role that we play is to support the libraries in Suffolk County. Our work, as we see it, is to help the libraries serve their patrons better, as they define it. Yeah. We never try to get in front of our libraries and tell them, this is what you should provide, this is how you should provide it. Mm -hmm. We try to learn from them about what it is that their priorities are, what they're doing, and find ways to support that. So we do that. Um, in numerous ways, we, we do that with continuing education, staff training, and we do that with coordinated orders, trying to help them save money. Yeah. Um, we do that with bringing speakers in, with working with their trustees. Uh, we support the delivery of interlibrary loan, two million items a year we move around the county. Yeah. <clears throat> interlibrary loan, both from within the county, the island, outside type of stuff. Yeah. Uh, 
the, the um, automated, the ILS system for the vast majority of the county we help manage. So we touch many different areas of operations with the libraries. But the most important thing we do is I think we listen and we try to learn through observation of where the libraries are, yeah. what their needs are, and try to be responsive to that in an ever-changing environment. Yeah. And libraries are an ever-changing environment. <clears throat> Yep. Now more so than ever, and as Definitely. somebody who's been in the profession for yeah. long time, <laughs> a, a little while, right? a little while, at least two or three years, more than thirty three, years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the pace of change is even quicker than it's ever been in my time in the business. And uh, again, it, it's something, um, it's challenge, um, and it's an opportunity, but it also brings risks with it. Yeah. Um, keeping ourselves relevant in an ever-changing society is something that's a prime, prime challenge for libraries. Coordinated orders is, is big because a lot of libraries couldn't afford to do that stuff on their own, take overdrive, you know, and things sure. like that. Even smaller East End libraries, even larger libraries like Sachem and, and Emma couldn't afford to do it on their right. own. You know, sure. So getting right. it through the through SELS, yeah. so I don't say county and donate five dollars. You know, right. getting it through SELS is, is it takes such a burden and a weight off of trying to do it alone. You know? Now, Bobby, you're on to something, and, and uh, that's always been an important role of SCLS, but now, and I'm not sure if you guys most all of your guests are from New York State, but uh, we're under a tax cap, a pretty stringent tax yeah. cap here yes. in New York State, which um, has impacted our libraries significantly yeah. over the last number of years. Um, and again, not to take sides on the tax cap, it is what it is. And it makes it that much more important that where there are opportunities to work cooperatively, right. to consolidate some of the back office type of operational stuff, yeah. <clears throat> that that's available to the libraries. And, and we do that, again, and it's it's big things, uh, you know, and little things. It's supplies, for, you know, office supplies yeah. type of things. It's for the wide area network for bandwidth. Yeah. It's for the ILS. It's for some of that kind of stuff that's taking place. So it's certainly a big priority of ours. Um, I'll leave it to some of your guests who are coming later to dig right, a little bit more into some of the details about sure. specifically what's going on, because that's yeah. really where they work on a day-to-day -day basis. But, uh, they could talk to you for a long time about all the different yeah. cooperative and consolidated or coordinated orders that we work on. And, you know, it goes beyond just Suffolk here. We also are trying to partner <clears throat> broader. Um, Nassau County and us a couple years ago, the Nassau Library System um, helped set up the in-reach system, mm -hmm. which now allows cooperative lending across the county lines, where yeah. there used to be almost that brick wall there yeah. where, you Absolutely. know, Suffolk and Nassau were And it's a valuable resource. Yeah. We use it all the time. And it it's, is. it's nice to know that we can reach out to a Levittown that's or it. a Coleman or, you know, or yeah. one of the other one libraries, the libraries out there, Merrick or something sure, like that. Absolutely. Sure. And, uh, and it just makes that many more resources available to the people here in Suffolk. Yeah. And look, we already have a delivery system set up that touches 63 buildings in Suffolk County six days a week. And that's amazing. And Nassau has a similar system set up in Nassau. So it's simply a matter of, you know, one meeting a day at one central right. library to trade a couple of boxes of books. Well, that doesn't sound like much, but to the person who's looking for the book that's in that box, yeah. it means it's the world. not available in their county, and right. it's something that they they need and they go yeah. through the process to get. It is. It's important, yeah. and that, and we and we see that. And then. Uh, Working even more broadly with New York State, cooperated some cooperative orders on a statewide level. Any economy of scale that we can be a part of or build for our member libraries, yeah. as I said now, with the, with the tax cap and the financial pressure that we all face is uh, yeah. is more important than ever. And the ILS, the integrated ILS system that they run, innovative. Mm -hmm. you know, coming from a library that up until about two years ago was running a standalone innovative system, yeah. you know, paying a, a lot of money, you know, to run that on our own. Yes. Uh, we recently moved over to, to PALS from Emma Clark, and we saved, I can't put an exact dollar, yeah. but we saved a lot of money. Yeah. And that all goes back to services, you know, to help our 
our patrons do other things. So. That's right. The, the Partnership for Automated Libraries in Suffolk County, yeah. PALS, as Bob called it, um, is a consortium of 51 of our 54 yeah. uh, full member libraries yeah. who, who are part of that consortium. And, uh, and the, the, a couple of the other libraries work through the inReach system with us as well. So it's a way that really facilitates resource sharing. It makes it that much easier yeah. for the libraries. And again, ultimately yeah. for the patrons That's the, right. who yeah. we're yeah. all here for. Um, to get access to materials. We have millions of materials throughout Suffolk yeah. County, but, you know, even the biggest of our libraries, Smithtown, Middle Country, Sachem, right. um, you know, to have just a fractional amount of materials compared yeah. to what the entire county has. So Correct. to make it easy for their patrons and their staff to get um, these things. And then again, building the delivery system where somebody makes a request today, what right. is it, Wednesday morning, right. more likely than not, that item is going to be on the shelf in their library on Friday. Right. I mean, sure. that's how quick the system turnaround is. Absolutely. So. Could I ask you a question about the types of libraries in Suffolk County? Sure. Um, because there are, we have a lot of listeners who are not from either New York uh, State yep, or, yep. or they may be from upstate or from other places. Yeah. Now, we have um, the East End Libraries right. and we have the West End Libraries, for lack, lack of a better way to describe it. Uh, I don't know if, ever, if they're really called West we, End we, Libraries. Yeah, but we, we actually refer to our libraries in different zones. Uh, the East End is our Zone 1, which is both the North Fork, South Fork, and Riverhead. And then we have libraries from the town of Brookhaven, which is the largest town in the state of New York, mm-hmm. um, the town of Smithtown, Huntington. So we kind of break them up by, by towns. Yeah. But there's 56 libraries in Suffolk County, um, the largest of which have budgets in the $14, $15 million range, the smallest of which have budgets in the couple hundred thousand dollar yeah. range. Right. Um, the average library in Suffolk County would have a budget somewhere between two and a half and three million dollars um and we have association libraries 17 or 18 association libraries we have three special district libraries and then we have 30 some odd school district libraries and again all shapes and sizes um suffolk is a you know for downstate is a relatively large geographic county 911 square miles um, and we have much more in common amongst our libraries than we have different but that said the difference between a library on the western end of the county or one of the forks or right. the north shore or the south shore there are distinctions and, and there's differences which is um why the independent control of the local community of their libraries we believe has brought so much success to the libraries in suffolk county every yeah. library in suffolk county um, has a locally um, elected uh, board of trustees and has a locally voted upon budget yeah. and that's something that is uh, somewhat distinct in suffolk um, we have no village or municipal right. libraries, which uh, we believe is the models that we have out here in Suffolk make it most possible for libraries to succeed. Yeah. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I have uh, a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, all off the cuff from yeah, your we, Yeah, because right? we're kind of... Anything you want. Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> now, can you, can you describe what the difference is between an association library and a school district library? Sure. Because um, a lot of people don't understand yeah, the difference. Yeah. Um, a school district or a special district library are truly governmental agencies. Um, they are they're the government. You know, they, they are under full and direct control of the state education department. Um, an association library is a not-for-profit corporation, what we sometimes hear, 501c3. Correct. Yeah. Who is contracting with a local community to provide a public good. In this case, library services. Mm -hmm. So there are certain laws, rules, and regulations which an association library would not have to follow. There's no better or worse model. They both have their advantages. Um, But they are 
significant distinction. So when we're working with our member libraries, and much of what I do is on the legal end, the regulatory end, that part of the operations, uh, I know them all because I've been doing this now for more than 11 years here at SCLS. <laughs> but um, we, uh, you know, that distinction of what type of a library it is is really the first thing you need to know. If somebody right. comes in and has a question, then there's legal, regulatory, right. you know, related to construction or related to what responsibilities they have with the state. Um, that's the first question you ask because yeah. there are really significant differences. Um, you know, and again, it goes from everything from public bidding to participation in civil service to participation in the retirement system and, yes. and the freedom of uh, FOIL laws and sunshine laws. And there's, there's a, lot of, a lot of really important differences between true public libraries and association libraries. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that and is really neat. Yeah, it, and it's, you know, it's good to work with both. And, Absolutely. And as sure. I said, they're... Um, you know, there, there is no one model that's universally better than the yeah. other. The state has said that their preferred model at this point is, um, is the school district model, and that was part of a region's advisory committee or region's approved plan from a number of years ago. But here in Suffolk, our libraries are all well enough developed and well enough established right. and, again, are on that solid ground where their communities are who's choosing, who's in charge of the library, right. and what their funding is. Um, I, all of our libraries... Um, at, from a governance perspective, are very well positioned to yeah. succeed. And you see in Suffolk County, our libraries are very well supported in their communities. And, uh, and that's a testament to having that firm foundation and then most so the work that's being done in the libraries by the staffs in the libraries. And, and that's a fun part of what we all get to do here is uh, work with all the different libraries, me in particular with the, with the library directors, the library administrators, the library boards. But as you'll sit down with other of your guests this morning, yeah. you know, they have an opportunity to work with people who are working in many different areas of the libraries. And, and you guys, between Sachem and Emma, True. two larger yeah. libraries with a lot of stuff going on and two different governance models. you got yeah, a, a, that's right. a school True. district yeah. library and association library. library. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah. <clears throat> so, so it's I, I've, I've definitely got a question. So, sure. I mean, I know SCLS is, is kind of tasked to stay on the, on, the, on the edge, on the cuff of what's next. Mm -hmm. You know, so that they can kind of, you know, um, help other libraries out. So, what do you, what do you see next, or what what's your vision for the next step for SCLS and, and the uh, continued funding? Obviously, right? That's yeah, always a yeah, struggle because yeah, we sure. always have to fight for that. But um, as far as services go, so what's 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 next? I mean, you guys have the lending library. We'll find yeah. about later. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, but if you had, we always ask this right of our guests later. Sure. If you had unlimited funds and right. you had unlimited time and limited right. resources, what would what you do? Would you do? Well. Yeah. We are very fortunate in that our funding is, um, you know, as stable as any cooperative library system in the state. We're all reliant on state money. Uh, that's that's a given. Um, state money goes up and down each year. Right. Uh, we work hard, and another I think important role that I play um, is to be involved with that advocacy on behalf of libraries in general and funding for libraries for general, and to make. Uh, the leaders beyond the library world understand the importance of public libraries to communities, to taxpayers, to small businesses, and to all the people who, who use libraries that, again, you guys see every day, but, but not everybody out there sees every day. Um, we are also um, have a, a wonderful relationship with our libraries um, where the funding partnership, our libraries really own the system. Um, they, they pay for the system, they purchase certain services, and they contribute through member support. So we do have a, a, um, a very firm financial backing, which is something that, again, allows us to do a lot of the things that you'll talk about later on this morning. At this point in time, the two main focuses that we have, and Bob made the point that um, 
the, you know, one of the things we're charged with is looking at the technologies, looking at the new things coming through. And we recognize the pressure that the libraries are under right, right. now with the tax cap and with, you know, the, the economic reality out there that they might not be able to devote the resources uh, to staying ahead on everything. So we kind of try to pick that ball up and run with it and make sure that we have staff in place here. Yeah who, you know, has the time and the wherewithal to go out and learn about some of these things, but not just learn about them. That, that's the easy part. The yeah. more difficult part is then help introduce them to the libraries. And whether it be the lending library or some of the technologies that we make available, you know, and again, um, we get the question, what is the role of a library these days? And again, that's defined locally. Yeah. So we're trying to answer a support, 56 different yeah. answers to that question. Um, so that's one part of it. Another part of it is just the cold hearts, helping them save money. Yeah. Um, and that's sure. just the reality of it um, for all the reasons I've mentioned. Um, any opportunity that we have to set something up, to create something, to assist, support the library so that they can stretch yeah. those dollars, we're all in on that. Because yeah. we realize how important it is because there's so much critical work that's taking place on a daily basis in these 63 buildings in Suffolk County um, that we know – any way we can help them free up some resources to do that most important stuff yeah. um, is worth it. So we have a number of staff members here who are on a daily basis right. searching for those things. But I'll tell you, um, and uh, one of the the really fantastic things about how our relationships works with the libraries is we're out there looking, but they're also looking, right. and there's a lot of communication going on. So, They'll you know, we'll you get right somebody now. come back, you know, yeah. after a conference. And, you know, we'll typically have two, three, four staff members go to the major conferences. Um, and, again, you know, part of that role is because we know that not every library can afford to send staff now. So, That's in true. a sense, yeah. we yeah. go there. You know, some of the bigger libraries, maybe they can get a couple people there. But some of the smaller ones, it's a little more difficult. So we feel that that's important for us to be there to see these things and then right. come back yeah, and reintroduce yeah. it. But many of our libraries do uh, – and I think it's a wonderful thing, and it's an important thing, send staff to, uh, to national conferences or regional conferences, statewide conferences, and they'll come back and have seen something either that we saw or something we didn't see and say, yeah. hey, let's go look at this a little bit. We get, I mean, four or five times a right. week we'll get a call from some an email or communication saying, hey, can you guys look at this, that, or the right. other thing? Uh, you got a second? I'll give you one small example. Sure. Some small, uh, <clears throat> um, a month or so ago, maybe two months ago, one of the libraries mentioned to us, hey, we're always looking for ways to publicize the library. Um, we have local parades coming up. Is there anything we can do with a parade? Right. So um, we went out and bought a parade trailer. And this past Sunday at the Patchogue St. Patrick's Day Parade, uh, we brought the library truck over with the trailer and the Patchogue staff decorated yeah. it all up. And, you know, a whole bunch of them went along with the truck and the trailer. And wow, it was a great, great way to publicize the library. And yeah. somebody just told me early this morning, we, it hasn't even been advertised to the libraries yet. Yeah. And we already have four other parades That's lined great. up coming up. <laughs> so, great. again, it's just it's all kinds of little stuff like that, yeah. getting the word out about libraries. That's and what's great. the sense of one individual library going out and spending a couple thousand bucks on a, on a trailer? trailer right? yeah. You, right. you right. use it yeah. once or twice a year. But between 56 libraries, right. things going to get used, if not every weekend, every other weekend throughout yeah. the year. And that's the kind of way that you know we try to yeah. find those and it's just one of those off somebody mentioned they got a that's break a great idea now, do. so that's what we're looking for now SCLS is providing decoration <laughs> services <Yeah. laughs> bring out the glitter uh, yeah. I'll tell you what the librarians are so good at that that's and, right you know, yeah. the, the, the job um, 
unfortunately, your viewers, uh, your listeners, uh, would not be able to see it here. But I promise we'll share the pictures with you guys. So you oh, can sure, we'll put it on the it. we'll put it on the we'll website. On the web, and you, you'll be knocked out at how, how great cool. this thing yeah. turned out. That's so, really great. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah fun stuff. Yeah. It's you know, hey, it's got to be cool. fun, and it's. Most of the people who are coming into the libraries, you know, they're coming in, yeah. whether it be looking for entertainment or looking to be educated or retrained. You know, we realize, um, you know, that's one of the fun things. But there's also a lot of important work going out there. We just um, have been going through a series of meetings looking at our database collection. Right. Um, and look, there is some real concern, guys. Um, the governor proposed cutting funding for libraries this yes. year. Yeah by $9 million. Right. And libraries don't get that much money in New York State. It's right. a big so state. There's 756 yeah. public libraries. There's thousands of school libraries. There's right. hundreds and hundreds of special libraries. So, uh, you know, that's a cut. It's a 10% cut, yeah. you know, or 8 or 9% cut in library funding. Sure. So, uh, <clears throat> you know, so we've been battling that. And, and thanks to our friends in the state assembly and the state senate, we're hopeful that um, we'll get some of those cuts reversed. But uh, the president recently released his budget proposal, and, right. and it included um, eliminating the Institute for Museum and Library Services, IMLS, mm-hmm. an acronym in the library world that I know you listeners right, you are library people. <laughs> they get it. But um, one of the big things that IMLS does is they provide um, LSTA, Library Service Technology, grants. And uh, those grants, to get to the point of my story, is what funds the novel New York database right. collection that mm-hmm. People throughout New York State have an opportunity to use yeah. to get information, to become educated. Yeah. Students use it for student support. And this is the kind of program that were it to truly go away, and we'll do the best that we can communicating with our federal legislators to hope that it does not, is going to shift the burden yeah. of hundreds of thousands of dollars. Either people are going to lose access to this really important material right. or their library is going to have to find a way to pay for it. Right. But again, in a tax cap environment, yeah. something's got to give. Right. So, uh, you know, so those, so we're, you know, when we hear things like this, we try to sharpen that pencil as yeah. sharp as it can get and make right. sure the databases that we're providing here right. are as best as we can do. But we can't make up that kind of funding. No. You know, that's, no, that's, that's millions of dollars a year yeah. of databases throughout the entire state. And the other thing that's really uh, frankly, disappointing, and you know, you hear some of the politicians in Albany and and Washington talk about the importance of consolidated services and cooperative services. And and look, that's what libraries do better than anybody. Right. Really, sure. better than any governmental entities, right. libraries share stuff. That's, that's right. the core of what we do. Um, so we have this wonderful program here in New York State, the Novel New York, where statewide this stuff is purchased. And it, it, so you get as much buying power as you can get out of the entire state by doing it statewide instead of doing it county by county or Correct. library by library or yeah. town by town. And when something great like that is set up and then somebody talks about taking away the funding, well, what's the true message? Right. The true message is you don't really care about any of the, right. the lip service. So it's, it's a constant battle. Yeah. And it's a shame, too, because the services that, that are provided by just here in Suffolk County alone sure. are immeasurable yeah. and you know when you weigh it against what the levy is on someone's property tax bill right. it's the best bargain yeah. in town it is and yeah. it's fractional again you know it, it's not free and I never say it's cheap but compared to what most of us pay for services you know through the government um, the library is the best deal there is out there and Absolutely. you know we get the most bang for the buck and look the library is the one place in in most communities where you know the young mom can take the one-year-old in and the, you know, you can go with your 99-year-old grandmother right, and the yeah. services are there for the whole, from birth to death, from every level of it. And you, look, you guys are in library buildings every day, so I don't have to tell you, um, 
you know, again, a lot of it is um, entertainment, whether it be somebody borrowing a DVD, borrowing a bestseller, you know, coming in to find out whatever it is that, you know, a lot of it's important stuff too, really life changing stuff. You know, somebody's lost a job and they're looking for a retraining opportunity. Or, you know, somebody's trying to get into a college or somebody needs help with a resume. You know, we have, um, it's part of our library service. And again, uh, your guests who come later can tell you a little bit more about some of the stuff. But, um, you know, one of the features of that within um, within the homework help service is a resume check. So somebody can do a cover letter, do a resume and have a real person review it for them. I mean, you know, that can change somebody's lives. And, and, And that's really all this other stuff that we talk about is to make sure that we have the opportunity to provide those types of services. So when we're trying to save money with some of this other stuff, it's because we know how important that is. Correct. You know, the the early childhood education learning opportunities that are provided in our libraries is, you know, numerous. And and again, they're critical. You you see the studies, you know, a kid who goes to school, you know, having been exposed to, you know, a certain amount of literature, to a certain amount of learning opportunities, is just that much more likely to be successful. Um, And, you know, our schools are facing the pinch, too. So what we can do to help just moves us all that much farther. Yeah. And it does make sense, too. I I mean, and like you said, from from birth to death, um, it's the best bargain in town. It's family friendly. It's entertaining. It's educational. And even in terms of just providing tax forms. Sure. I mean, that's something that we're struggling with now a little bit because they're not sending the forms as much as they used to because they're pushing everybody for to file paperlessly but you know i always i whenever i talk about you know library services most of the world has forgotten about the seniors everything is digital everything is computer and we've left out a, a large segment of the population and what libraries are great at doing is either helping them to become digital or accepting that they're not digital and helping them to do things the way that they're familiar with. Right. And yeah. not a lot of people really understand that end of what we do. That, that's like a point of service thing yeah. that I'm frankly proud of that we do over at Sachem. Yeah. There you go, plug for Sachem. And, and, <laughs> and you know, Chris, that, Chris, that's a great point. And, um, you know, when, when most of us first started going to libraries, there was an adult department and a children's department. Right. And that, you made a right or you made a left. Or you checked the book out straight ahead. Right. You know, now, and uh, Chris you know, works at the Sachin Public Library, which is, you know, one of the leaders in these types of things. Um, you go into a library now, there's, you know, a children's department that's broken up to early learners, to, you know, kids who are a little bit older. You have a teen services department. You have a, a technology area for the community. You have an yeah. outdoor space for the community. You have your adult area. You know, many people incorporating uh, areas for new adults, yeah. for their senior citizens. There's that many more options yeah. for people to get those things that they're looking for and to make it that much more user-friendly for them. Because look, a lot of this, you walk into a library, particularly a library the size of a Sachem or an Emma Clark, or, um, it's a big place and it can be yeah. an intimidating place. Absolutely. I mean, many of us sure. walk in and we know what we want. I'm walking right. right to the DVDs. I'm looking for the DVD I want. I'm leaving. But a lot of us go in there having an idea of what we may want, right. but willing to <laughs> search around a little bit. Yeah. And again, by, by the way that we've designed, and I don't want to say we, by the way, our member libraries have designed and laid out their facilities and really started to focus on different elements of the population yeah. <clears throat> has made it that much easier to, uh, to serve these people. And, and the libraries really uh, have done an amazing job with that. But again, that's the type of thing where I think a system can help because 
there's that opportunity for sharing that with each other. Right. So sure. we know what other libraries are doing. And look, a lot of us are copycats. And we see something right, really yeah. good going on at Sachem. And we want to do it over here yep. in my library. Yep. So and I'm, and I'm there's nothing that. wrong with that at all. <clears throat> no, of course. I mean, again, as, as you know, I mentioned a couple minutes ago, yeah. what are libraries about if not sharing? And right. that, you know, I'm sure nice. your listeners yeah. or you know, people in the library field know that better than anyone. You know, the opportunity to share with each other what we're doing and how we're yeah. doing it is uh, is something that we're all – we wouldn't be doing this right. if we didn't like that. So. Absolutely. And that's really what SCLS is about too. It's about that's sharing what, resources. That's what we try to be about and yeah. that's, that's it. So. And that equals, you know, especially from the financial part of things, that equals libraries being able to keep staff, hire more staff. And, and actually uh, keep their doors open more often, yeah. you know, so. Yeah, yeah that's so, what it comes down to. And, you know, what we can do to help our libraries be successful right. is what we're here to do. And, yeah. and, um, and you know, amazing. our libraries are doing a pretty good job, right. really good job, and, uh, and they deserve all the credit yeah. for that. And we're happy to play whatever role we can in yeah. that. So. Oh, we know you got to run, right? You have the PLDA I do have meetings, another right? meeting coming yeah. up. Yeah. Meeting it's coming one up, meeting so to another. That's what my days are Continuing to fight for us. That's uh, what Chris, doing, Baba, so. thank you. It's been, it's been great to be here, and I know you'll learn a whole lot more about SCLS Absolutely. and what we really do from your guests who are coming up. But thank you guys for coming. That's great. Thanks, thanks, for, for, thanks for having us come in. All right. Yeah. All right we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we will have some more guests uh, to talk about all the wonderful things that SCLS does. So we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, we're back, and we are with Ruth Westfall. Right? Did you get a title right? I, I'm not going to get the title You're right. Not, so, so you, you want do, me to do the title? yeah, because okay. I always mess up titles. I just I just asked Ruth, so now I actually know. The assistant director for technology and member services is that correct? That's correct for the Suffolk Cooperative, not County. Cooperative Library, Library System. System. That's why I'm not saying that anymore because I okay. keep messing it up. Good. All right. So, Ruth, tell us a little bit about your job and what kind of falls underneath uh, what you do here. Okay. Um, I think that what I do is generally take all the responsibility for everything that goes wrong, and usually that, that right there is enough. <laughs> yeah, but uh, usually what happens is the uh, libraries have needs, and um, if they're related to technology, which I think is everything these days, yeah. they call me up to help them. Wow. Uh, so I intervene sometimes on behalf of them for uh, third-party vendors if they're getting new services, things like that, and. Um, basically support that. I support the ILS and um, any new initiatives that we have right. for adding new electronic services, things mm -hmm. like that. That's a lot of work. That is a lot of work. Yeah. A lot of coordination. We were just talking, to, when we were talking to uh, Mr. Verbesey, we were talking about how Emma had just come back online. Emma mm -hmm. Clark had just come back online with uh, Innovative, you know, with the consortium, how much money we saved and how great of a resource that is for us and how we can do more for our patrons with that same yeah. funding. So, and I think Huntington did the same thing, right? Is that right. Yeah, right. So. yeah, I think that's the beauty of what the services are here. Yeah. They're all about saving money for everyone. Yeah. So tell us about uh, the services that, um, with regard to ILL and some of those other things that, that are that are very, um, a huge part of SCLS, the Interlibrary Loan and okay. things like that. 
Um, well, I think just in terms of resource sharing, we do a lot of things. We have um, an ILL department that uh, operates on behalf of all of our members and gets outside uh, resources from the state, from OCLC, from other sources, um, and we have a couple people that take care of that and make sure that that stuff all gets sent to the libraries. Um, and we look around a lot of places to try to find things and make sure that all patrons are getting their needs met. Um, the other part of that is just our, our ILS in general sharing. We have a really great relationship with our neighbor and county, Nassau, mm -hmm. and they are involved in their ILS and ours are combined together in a system so that all of the people that are cardholders in either county can cross uh, borrow from each other. So we manage and maintain that, and, and um, I think that's. What would you say is the toughest part of your job and responsibilities here? Um, it's, I think the hardest part is that because all our libraries are very independent, right. you cannot ever do one thing that will work for everyone. So we usually have to come up with um, you know, different solutions or we have to tweak them right. so that we can uh, you know, do the best for everyone. And when you're in a consortium, sometimes there's compromise, as you well know now that uh, Emma Clark is back in. You sure. had to give up a little thing here. But we hope that the um, benefit of being part of the group and having the support and the other things that we can do as a group will offset yeah. you know, any of that little thing that you couldn't get that yeah. you wanted. I think it already has. And we were talking with, with Kevin before about um, libraries can stay open longer right, and have better hours and, and keep their employees employed because of the services that you offer mm -hmm. here, you know, the coordinated orders, the, the ILS that we're involved with. You know, we saved a lot of money, which allows us to stay open, even under the budget cuts and, and, the, and all those kinds of things and the budget freezes that we're going through. Um, so it's a tremendous service that I don't think libraries would get by the way that they right. have been without that. So, Right, and you talk about the budget cuts and the, um, the cap, the tax cap. Yeah. Roger will be able to give you more information about a lot of the services that we do to help people with just procuring um, all the, the services and the things that they need to yeah. provide them. Cool. So what's the, what's, what would you say is the most fun part of your job? So what you enjoy the most, I guess. Oh, what do I enjoy the most? Yeah. Um, Dealing with pals calls, right? Is that, no. no. I actually, <laughs> you know, I'm kind of weird, but um, I, I really like to solve problems. And so anything that comes up, whether it's actually a real problem or you just have a challenge or right. you have a great idea, uh, people call me up sometimes and they go, wouldn't this be cool if we could do this? And I really love do doing like design work and trying to figure it out and you know put something together and yeah. come up with, in the end, a product or a service that works for people and yeah. gives them something that they didn't have. Well, it works great for us. I guess you can say the same way, Chris. Oh, yeah, sure. Absolutely. The resources are measurable. It's, it's, uh, it's a great resource to have, especially if you don't know where to look mm -hmm. for something. If you go to a conference and you say, well, how do I start doing something that ABC Library and Dakotas are doing mm -hmm. or, right. or whatever? You know, it, it's, it's nice to know that we can reach out. And even if you don't know, mm -hmm. it, it's almost like a librarian's librarian. You guys can do some of the legwork for us and let us know. Right. And if it's a service that you could provide through the through SCLS, then it benefits all the libraries. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I also enjoy the fact that people bring information back from the conferences that they go to, and they help me do my job in a way by making me aware of things that I might have missed. So we like to work together and collaborate, yeah. and um, and all be one big happy library family. <laughs> well, we've seen it firsthand too, like with Lynda.com. 
Right? Yeah, sure. Those kinds of things. You know, some a couple of libraries will bring it to you and say, "What do you think about a coordinated order?" You guys will work it out and save us all money. So it, uh-huh. it's, it's just one example of how how it works. Yeah. Well, one other thing that I also like about SCLS is if we're having a meeting, we can have a meeting here. We can book a room. We're we're actually in the this is the auditorium. Uh-huh. Uh, we can have guest speakers come. Uh, if if it's professional development, we can have professional development here with with guest speakers. I know with with the cats group that that Bob and I are involved with, and the TIFF group. Yeah. Um, you know, we have our annual meeting here, and we have usually have a guest speaker, and we get a really nice turnout. And it, it's really nice because everybody knows where SCLS is if you're in Suffolk County. Right. So you don't have to say, oh, well, it's at Sachem, and here's the directions, and you have to make a left here and a right there. Oh, it's at System. Oh, okay, great. Everybody yeah. knows where to go. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of like a nice centralized location for all the libraries in the county. Yeah. Yeah. And we're busy. Today all of our rooms are booked up. And, That's uh, why we're in the auditorium. Stuff is yeah, going exactly. on. <laughs> right. This huge room, yeah. So one more question. Okay. Since um, for most librarians who don't really get to come here that often or see how things work, how many people actually work here? I mean, it's a big it's a big machine with a lot of moving parts. It's a pretty good question. Yeah. Twenty? I'm looking at Roger. 55. Oh, fifty-five. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm counting the fives. Four fives or twenty. <laughs> okay. Uh, fifty-five people. Um, there's a lot of people that do other things I didn't talk about, and you will hear about that from our other guests today. That's great. Cool. That really is cool. All right. Yeah. You have anything else? No, I think that's I'm, I think that's I think, yeah. Yeah, 55 people is a pretty big number. Well, actually, I have one other question. From the time you've come here till now, tell me how much more of a role technology has played with regard to SCLS and member libraries. Well, that's a tough one. Um... I kind of think from the moment I got here, technology was a really huge part of it. And I don't know that people were that aware of what was going on in the background. And uh, it, it seems like for me, almost everything we do here, I touch in some way. Right. Not that I'm doing it, but I tend to get involved in it, or at least I need to kind of know what's going on. And um, I don't think there's hardly anything we do here any longer that doesn't involve technology. And we're always all working at yeah. making things work together. And that's all libraries as well. I mean, mm-hmm. and it's, it's just a natural progression for it to be something here, too. And, and SCLS does tend to be a leader when it comes to technology in certain respects, too. I mean, you guys, when you started, dare I even say the Suffolk Web email, uh, Roger, who was going to be our next guest, is uh, <laughs> making faces. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was groundbreaking for the time. Oh, yeah. We used you know, to be an ISP. Per- Mm-hmm. Yeah. The old days of dial-up. Oh, God, yeah. That's right. I remember that. And there were still people kicking and screaming when, when they took it away. Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there were some leadership roles that mm-hmm. you have taken and you continue to take when we talk about lending library in a few minutes um, that, you know, other libraries, I'm sure, would say thank you to because maybe they can't afford to do the VR or green screen mm-hmm. or, or some of the other great technologies that are available through lending library. And you make that available for those libraries, and that really is that's a great thing for all libraries in Suffolk County. You forgot. Yeah, thanks for being a guest. And when we come back, we're going to have um, our next guest. We're going to talk more about technology. So we'll be back in just a moment.
Hi, and we're back with even more guests here at the Suffolk County Library. Suffolk County, I did it again. It's Suffolk Cooperative Library System. You think I would learn yeah. by now, right? We all made a deal. He has to donate five dollars to SCLS every time he's every time I mess it up. Library System instead. So. so, yeah, absolutely, it's a lot of fun here today. A little yeah. off the cuff, right? It's a little different. A little different, different. Yeah. than our. It's, but I think it's good. It's a very special episode of the Library Pros. Yeah, I like that. You like that? Very yeah. special episode. Very special episode. Yeah. yeah, very nice. So we're back with Ruth Westfall. She joined us for a second segment, and we have Aurora Maravelli here. Um, Hello, Aurora. Hello. Just just give us a couple of things about what you do, your job title, and all that kind of stuff. And then we'll introduce Roger. <laughs> um, what do I do? I, I work in the business department for the Suffolk Cooperative Library System. I've been here for quite a number of years. Um, my job is kind of organic, and, you know, there's a lot of things that, that we do for the libraries, yep. and we're always trying to be on the leading edge um, to help them uh, with uh, the events that they do. Um, and that's pretty much what I'm involved in, keeping, keeping my uh, finger on the pulse of, yeah. of what the libraries need. Well, we appreciate your time. Thanks for coming yeah, out. Yeah, thanks Thank for you. coming in. And um, our third guest for the, for the afternoon is Roger Reyes. Uh, he's the, I don't want to tell them you're the business manager. I don't know if you are. So just uh, let us know what your, what your title is and what you do here. The official title is yeah. Assistant Director for Business and Operations. There we go. I like operations. That's everything. That's, 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 that's everything. That's the catch-all. <laughs> yeah. that's, in other that's words, go ask Roger. Yeah. 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 Some, something like that. Yeah, that's cool. Well, again, thanks for coming out. Now. Yeah, I guess thank so you. Tell us a little bit about what you're responsible for here. And um, pretty much if everything. it's not technology-related, <laughs> for the most part, ILS-related member services, that goes to Ruth. And then what happens within the confines of our space here is under my jurisdiction physically the the building itself and the operations paying the bills the hr functions the shipping all those kind of things so it's all the things everybody else doesn't want to do right basically <laughs> yeah yeah all, all the non-library stuff all the non-library <laughs> stuff i want to jump right in and talk about lending library because it's something that uh i mean you see it when you walk in you see it over here right outside the auditorium uh Tell us how that started. What was the, the idea that, that started it all? Okay, the genesis of the um, lending library we can trace back to Ruth. We'll blame her for it. Aurora, you were right. You get blamed for everything. That didn't take long at all. She's getting blamed for everything. Um, it, it was a few years back, and uh, probably three years ago, um, Ruth come, came to me with an idea. She's like, look at this really cool 3D printer. I'm going to email you this link, and we should buy one. And it started with buying one 3D printer, and today we have 380 items wow. available on the lending library. We had to put a full-time staff member on last year to coordinate the movement of all, of all the items. So, you know, from, from one idea to let's get something cool in here. So we bought it. We said, that's great. What are we going to do with it? Let's lend it to the libraries and let them show their patrons. And then from there, we bought two more and then we bought another item and another item and and here we go we, we just yeah. non-stop wow that's incredible that really is cool so it was a good way i blame ruth in a good way that time right? <laughs> <laughs> so tell us can you tell us about some of the, the bigger items that are there um well okay we have about uh five 3d printers right now at the current time and our latest greatest item is the virtual reality so we've just add the htc vive to uh, the lending library and that's quite pop, uh, popular right now 
Um, we have so many items. We have tents for outdoor events that the libraries may have. Um, and then coupled with that, of course, we have to keep, keep technology going. So we have generators. So when they do these pop-up libraries, right. we can support them with that. Um, green screen technologies to keep the teenagers coming into the libraries and having fun and doing uh, new and inventive uh, and creative things. Um, we have popcorn machines, cotton candy machines to enhance any workshops or programs cool. that they're running into in the library. And our latest, greatest item that we've added is a trailer um, that we've already used in or a library, uh, Patchogue Medford Library, has yep. already used in the St. Patrick's Day Parade. So they were able to decorate it and, and run it through the parade. So that's really cool. we're supporting yeah. them in so many ways, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. It's really taken off. So, Chris, you want to do a podcast trailer? We could have. <laughs> yeah. And I think uh, probably the the biggest challenge with uh, some of the things that we have in a lending library are making them fully functional. Like with the green screen, we started with just the screen. And then we said, well, we need to give them the iPad with the apps already on it. Right. Yeah. So, that, sure. so that they're not looking for that when they're borrowing it, that it's already there. And then we said, well, we need a wireless printer so that they don't have to ask their tech guy how to hook it up to their how printer. How to configure right. the printer. And how to configure iPad. it. So we're trying to make everything as user-friendly as possible so our kits grow from like, okay, it was one little item, the green screen, and now you're getting the green screen, the iPad, the stand, the speakers, that you know, you're, you're getting the whole system, the right. printers, you're, you're getting everything. Wow. And that's what we're doing with all of our kits. We, we expand on to them, you know, as we talk to the libraries. And they said, oh, it would be great if this came with it or that came with it. Yeah. Um, so it just, you know, generated ideas from the libraries. They came back and said, one of the libraries said, well, we saw this cool thing about doing indoor mini golf at the libraries. Well, right. There it went, we and we, we own a yeah. nine-hole <laughs> mini golf, indoor <laughs> golf set that you can borrow from the library. So oh, they're doing great. an indoor mini golf day with, you know, with little putting tees and, and wow. all the clubs yeah. and balls and everything and wow. scorecards. And it's just, you know, they, cool. they ask for it, and, and if, with, if it's within our means and our budget and safety, you know, we consider that. We wouldn't buy the T-shirt launcher. Right, of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, so we, we do take some consideration yeah. into what they are. No T-shirt launcher, Chris. How about a glitter gun? Like shoots the glitter out and no guns. confetti. No, I think guns. No guns. Yeah, no guns. Just no, keep away from the guns. Nothing that launches anything. Right, nothing that shoots no. anything. No How about we just stay away from yeah. that? <laughs> That's pretty funny. I want to know more about the VR stuff. Can you tell us a little bit more detail, I guess, about the VR and how libraries uh, borrow it? And I guess and do you deliver the, the experience? Because <laughs> mm -hmm. before this, we talked about the experience with another one that kind of didn't make you feel real well, and I totally understand. That's why I can't use it. But the HTC Vive's a little different, right? It makes it comfortable. Um, yeah, we've had a lot of success with the HTC Vive, um, and people don't seem to get seasick when they're when they're inside of it. Um, so we have various uh, programs on the computer that runs the Vive. Um, so depending on the person um, that you put into the virtual reality experience, there's a variety to, to choose from. Um, so we try to accommodate uh, from the age 13 on wow. up. And the way that we're doing this is the libraries will come in and they'll do training on the system here and then we'll deliver the uh, virtual reality system to the library. 
And some people feel very comfortable in using it independently. Right. So they'll just take over the equipment and do whatever they're doing, whatever kind of programming that they're doing at the library. But if they need further help, then we will supply them with a staff member right. to go there and help them out and hold their hand through the process. Wow. <laughs> so we work it both ways. And That's the really training cool. is mandatory. We, yeah. we won't lend the equipment out unless right. the library has sent someone here. And we do that the first Tuesday of every month. It's an open, no registration, no anything. But before we will loan it out, you have to be on the list of a trained library or else we won't send it. So that's why they know how to use it. They're comfortable with it. They, right. don't, yeah, they don't break it by mistake. Mm -hmm. And, and things, we're so. not really worried about the damage. It's just right. if they get it, they don't know what to do with it. It's right. not like a 3D printer that you can press the button and everybody just watches it mesmerized for hours. Right. Yeah. Right. If there's not someone helping you with that experience and and guiding you through it, there's nothing there's, for the patron useless, to do. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's really nothing to do. So we want to be sure that that they know what they're doing and that they're supported. Yeah, that makes sense. Sure. I also have um, a system in-house always, so they're invited to come back and experience it and get very comfortable with the equipment before they have it yeah. in their library. It's also for backup purposes. Uh, Sachem Library was gracious enough to actually build the computer for us. They spec'd it out and built the two computers we have. We don't want to have a situation. The VR system and the green screen are both out until October, nonstop. Yes. They, they, they come in, they get checked out, they, wow, and really then they go yeah. right back out. That's incredible. So That's great. We, we don't want any time, any downtime. We don't want a library to miss their time because something happened with yeah. any piece of the equipment. So we have a full set here. If something goes down, we'll replace it with hours that we use for training, right. and we'll worry about getting you know replacement equipment here. All right, so put us on the list for October, yeah. then. We want this thing. <laughs> <laughs> what do you have uh, that's kind of in the hopper that you're considering getting next? Um, probably the next thing we're looking at is a drone. Um, out of our annual trustee workshop, we did have someone come in and, and discuss with the group ownership of a drone, having to register with the FCC. Um, so we're, we're thinking about it. It's definitely an item that we're going to put in. It's just a matter of time. All of our items, you know, we have to develop different lending models for every right. item. Sure. We, we own a trailer. We, we wrapped our van uh, with library logos and, and matching our, uh, our website, the library website. Right. But everybody wants to have things made custom to their library so we got a, a parade trailer so now they can decorate it with their own custom stuff for right. their and then we swap it out next time we send it to the next library they they develop it for themselves but the drone we're gonna have to figure out a program and how do we lend that right. what's the model yeah and that's always the difficult part trying to, to figure out how do you loan something to everybody in a general rule sense right. Right. And, and each item is so different you mm -hmm. know if if the drone who's gonna who's gonna fly the plane? Right, the training. You know, yeah, the yeah. training. Yeah. Yeah. You right. know, so same thing with the VR equipment, the training in it and, and what you're doing. So right. all of that comes into play when we when we wanna buy something and how long it takes us to actually have it here. We have the movie system here for six months already right. and it's not it, it's gonna start going out in at the end of May. But it took us three months to figure out how we're gonna loan it out that we're going to supply you with a license no. because a, we don't want to. It's an outdoor movie system. It's an outdoor movie system, so, right. so we don't want to hand it over to a library and then not have the proper licensing for it. Right. And being that we're bringing it 
and our staff is inflating it and actually playing the movie, we're right. liable because we're the we are actually the people that are showing, showing the movie. The movie. Right, yeah. It might be on a specific library's property, but we're the we're the ones who are actually showing the movie. So avoid to avoid that, we we brokered a coordinated sure. order, a deal with with that criterion. Right. For a discounted licensing, the licenses are usually two seventy two hundred and seventy five dollars for a one night viewing, and we got them to do it for one hundred and seventy five for us. Yeah, wow. For, for each great. of the viewings, so the libraries can now do a movie for three hundred and seventy five dollars, including popcorn and cotton candy, right. where <laughs> normally it would cost them over a thousand dollars to, 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 to do a movie night. Right. To have yeah. a company come in, sure. they have us come in and do it for, you know. Four hundred dollars instead yeah. of a thousand, wow. so it makes it affordable for some of the smaller libraries that could do that on their own. Absolutely, I'd like to get an engraver in there, do a little CNC's work. And oh, and CNC something. would be great! <laughs> <laughs> wow, some subtractive manufacturing going on. Well, that'd be pretty cool. So, that, yeah, definitely, because that is the kind of the future of what's happening with libraries now, where the books are still an extremely important part of what we do. And the DVDs are important, but now there's computer access to give people um, access to the Internet. Um, some libraries are even loaning uh, tablets, and um, for either for e-readers or for just general use. Um, some of the libraries are doing the hotspots now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it even goes for some libraries are loaning out laptops. And, and there's such a, a gear towards technology now in libraries where, you know, it, it kind of... The, the, there's always this big thing that's out there now on the internet. Well, we don't need libraries anymore because we have Google. Well, no, you need librarians to disseminate <laughs> information as well, right. and to also train people. And we were talking with Mr. Verbesy before about the the generation that's kind of been left behind, the seniors who are probably the largest segment of the population with the baby boomers now, and how we serve them. When we used the example before about tax forms, people they don't want to use a computer to file their taxes. They want to sit down with a pad and you know, a pencil and figure out their taxes and, and mail it in. And it's, that's becoming increasingly more difficult for them where they can't even go to the post office and get a tax form now. So we're their point of service for that kind of thing. So as much as technology is a huge part of what we do now, we can't lose track of the people who, who for lack of a better way to describe it, and I've heard seniors say this many times, I don't computer. So that's fine. We don't have to computer. We can show you things that you may not even know about that are paper-related, but there's so much about what we do that's more than just putting a search into Google, and, mm-hmm. you know, people don't really understand that. Right. You know, that and that's, you know, part of the frustration of librarianship now, too, but I think most people do understand the, um, the importance of libraries because of both the, the paper and the, tech, the technology end of things, so... And I, I think it's not only the technology, but the tangible. I know there are a lot of maker spaces that are very low tech. You know, yeah. they have knitting and they have other items. You know, things that are tangible. You, sure. You know, you can't download a, a spool of yarn right. and some. You know, it, it's not tangible items. So the library is becoming a lot more of tangible items that you can do. Southold sure. has fishing poles. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think a couple libraries might have uh, kayaks. And I think They're they near have the like water. Fi- you go rent a kayak or check it out for an hour. That's oh, great. I want to find that library. Me too. I'm like, yeah. which library has a kayak? <laughs> oh, yeah. wow. I think they have like baking pans <laughs> and, and that yeah, type Yeah, baking of thing. pans. They're yeah. doing that. But yeah, any, of, the, any of the these time. items will spark an interest, and then where do you go to get more information? I mean, yeah. you would pick up a book or, or right. read more about it. So it kind of works hand in hand. 
Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the kind of thing, again, at the end of the day, it's about serving the patron, whatever their need is. Mm-hmm. So if we can do that, whether it's through technology or through paper or something in between, I think we're, we're serving the needs of the community. Absolutely. Because that's, that's what it's really all about at the end of the day. Okay, we, I'm we still like stuck on VR. That's my thing. That's my thing right Take now. the headset off, Bob. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, um, we we kind of when we normally do a podcast, we have a list of questions to ask everybody. But this is a special kind of thing, so we're not going to really do that. But we're going to pull from that. If you guys could have an infinite budget wow. and get anything you wanted to, what would it be? Anything you wanted. I mean, CNC machines right up there with all the block aluminum and block steel, and we can now make parts and manifolds and car parts, and that would be great. That would be great. I'd really have to think about that. Uh, what what I would want? A '64 and a half Mustang. Yeah, yeah, so, some, something like that. Now you're talking. Uh, yeah. yeah, now you're talking. Yeah, a library plane maybe. You know, so we helicopter. can travel. Helicopter. Helicopter. <laughs> Well, if Amazon can deliver with Jones drones, why couldn't we, right? Sure. Yeah. I, I don't want to put my shipping guys out of business. <laughs> well, they can fly the drones and drop the books off at the libraries. They might like that. That would be interesting. So no, no ideas of what you no. want to... Well, I think it'd be nice to put some uh, resources into actually bringing in experts into the library. Um, because you can't be a librarian and know how to do every single thing. So a lot of time you get this new technology and you go get trained and you try to use it. But sometimes it just is such a big job that you right. need somebody that actually has full-time expertise. So I could imagine a situation where you have people coming in that um, are actually teaching classes and courses and things that people would like to learn how to do. Um, you know, have music teachers come to the library and have practice rooms where there's pianos and they could get a piano lesson or two. Um, things that you could expose people to, art lessons or um, making things. Uh, I think there's a couple places that are doing repair classes. You yeah. can have somebody come in and teaches you how to fix your own uh, iPad thing that's going wrong or whatever. Um, With the physical end of it, not yeah, the digital think, end of yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because there's a lot of space and it's one of the few places out there left that people can come in from the public and just meet and get together. It's hard to find space to do that. So, um, you know, add more space and bring in more outside expertise. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say bringing more staff. I mean, we're, we're very fortunate. We have one of the larger staffs of the systems in, in New York. But adding staff that, that could go out there and do the VR system with them right. instead of having to have them come in. It's very difficult for libraries that they have enough time to have staff members come here, learn how to do it, then research at home on their own time, and then actually use it and participate in it at the library. So if we, if we had the technology available and staff here that we could borrow the staff member as part of the program, you know, supply the whole program soup to nuts, including the staff member that comes out and spends a couple of days at your library with your patrons interacting, uh, I think that would really benefit everybody and make some of this technology even even more useful than it is now. I know just because we have it at, at Sachem, you know, the, the learning curve for the Vive is, is it's not something you could just sit there and say, I'll figure this out. You know, there are so many different steps with, with um, you know, the software and, and setting up the lighthouses and drawing out the area. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot to it. And I'm not even sure that I'm really good at it. And I've done it about 10 times already. Yeah. 
so th there's a huge learning curve with some of this technology. It's not as easy as it used to be. Right. And every game is different. You use the paddles differently, the different buttons, the different controls. To learn every game, your, your staff can't do it. I mean, when we bought the HTC, Aurora and I both brought it home on weekends right. because we just needed more time to, to just play yeah. with it and, and to learn so that we can tell you what to do when you're in the game, not just right. sitting there trying to figure oh, come it on, out. Roger. You know why you took it home. <laughs> <laughs> Your kids were having the time. It's the zombie game, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's the zombie game. Well, I have one more question um, because we do this a lot in libraries where someone comes up to you with, whether it's an iPad, an Android device, or, or God help us, it's one of those devices they bought on the Home Shopping Network. Yeah. What's wrong with RCA? <laughs> RCA tablets? What's wrong with those? You know, where people come to us and say, it's not working, help. Right. Does, does SCLS have a program to train librarians on how to troubleshoot some of the bigger problems? And not, not necessarily with, like, let's say, overdrive, if there's an issue in overdrive, or just in general, like operating system or, you know, how to clear cache and that kind of thing. Because we do that as librarians in, in library land. But I was wondering if you guys had a training program, like let's say for new librarians or something like that. We do not at this time. There originally was a group of people, and they were the computer technical group. Yeah. And I think Bob was part of that when uh, Dave Conkar was here. Yeah, that's right. And that was because I mean, the, I think I wasn't here at that time. Correct me, but I think that was because. Um, in the libraries, there was no technology. There was just the uh, Lantronics box and right. dumb terminals. Mm -hmm. So people didn't even know what to do with a PC. So I think that group was formed around that and also because we operated as an ISP and we did a lot of support that way. And I think patrons used to call and didn't you used to support? Yeah. I think yeah. Aurora used to support patrons on the phone with um, that stuff. But I think it, it sort of grew beyond that to where it's um, so critical to what you do in the library that you know, staff have stepped up because they're doing it themselves at home. They yep. had to deal with those kinds of issues. They got right. their own computers at home and things like that. So um, I don't know if the need dropped off or it just outgrew that. And um, it's it's an interesting concept. We could think about doing more training. It kind of goes back to what I was saying. I think bringing in outside expertise to sure. do a lot. Because I may use computers and I do a lot of stuff in the ILS, but I don't think I would be considered an expert trainer person. I would probably go to the vendor to get the best training resources so sure and with each library having such different systems yeah. in their building it's not generic it's not every library has the same stuff the same type of equipment the same anything right so for us i mean we, we'd have to be virtually trained in every single program and every single piece of equipment out there yeah. aren't which we yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Right. Which is very difficult. On, Wait, they're all putting their capes on now. <laughs> Lou, and, Lou and Ruth and, their, and the IT yeah. staff. Uh, yeah. we, we made strides towards that when we uh, re-upped with uh, Light Tower to, to form our network internally uh, for the ILS system, where each library then has now a, uh, a GTA GB2500 firewall so that we're at least able to see into that. And we can see at that point that the information is going back and forth to your library and we can monitor it that far. And then inside of there is where the, the tech support from within the building and that, you know, we're just looking to see that you have the basic connection you need and that's what we brought out. We said, well, if you want us to help you, we need a generic piece of equipment. I can't have, right somewhere we there. can't be trained in 85, you know, 56 different pieces of equipment. Right. 
because it makes it too difficult on us. So that was a stride towards that, just having that generic piece of equipment that we land in the library right. at that spot. And then from there, the tech staff takes off and does whatever they want right. internally, whatever best for their library. Mm-hmm. But for us, it, w- it was a help just to have one landing spot in each library. Yeah, because for a while there were different different connections getting in here, right? Yes. Some had, uh, God, did there I? There still are. Everything. There used to be in. ISDN back in the old days, right? Mm-hmm. There was cable. Cable. There, cable. There's Fiber. You name it, there, there was everything. Uh, but we, we've narrowed it down a lot. And even the libraries that aren't using the fiber network still have the firewall. So we can still see to that firewall. Right. And, you know, we can at least tell them, look, the, the signal, it, the, it's coming through to your firewall. Right. It's after that piece of equipment. And that's where the issue would be. So then they yeah, know so how to take care of it internally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Tell us a little more about that. You mentioned Light Tower and then the, the company you negotiated with to get all the, I guess, fiber connections to the library. And Emma Clark benefited from that greatly when you, when you first negotiated it. So what was it like to negotiate that deal when we all, a bunch of us used to have Verizon? And then, you know, I know there was a bunch of things that you put together there to get us such a great deal on, on the systems and services we got. So um, We had Verizon and Verizon not the easiest company as far as billing. They're, they have a great product. The service, once it's up and running, right. is a great product, a great service. But the back end of Verizon is very difficult to deal with, and that's why most of the libraries thanked me for dealing with them yeah. instead of them individually. <laughs> that's what we're here to do. <laughs> Thank you for that. So they're like, all right, you deal with them, and, right. and we'll just have the service right. working. Yeah. Um, so when the, their contract came up, um, another player in, in the we had two other players, Light Tower and Light Path, come in, um, and we brokered with Light uh, Tower to make a 43 library network where they put a gig line into each one of the libraries, and actually there's two lines that come back to us, so there's redundancy built in, so we had to negotiate with them a price, kind of we go in blind. We said I, I can guarantee you 20. And they wanted 30. Right. Um, but then I have to sit with all the member library directors and talk to them, well, who's going to move, who's not going to move. Right. Uh, and then the Verizon price goes up if they lose half their business. They had 32 libraries. Right. Um, Verizon seems to be mainly interested in, in the wireless business. And they were willing to keep us on on the fiber but not add any support and not add any bandwidth. Uh, so we were able to negotiate a, a better price that most libraries have 20 meg to us yeah. and then 20 megs direct out to the Internet. Some of the libraries have, have a little more. Yeah. Um, there was a price menu, and, and it, it went really smooth. It was less than a year that we, were, we turned up 43 buildings yeah. and uh, you know, saved the libraries from the Verizon contract to that. It was about three thousand dollars a year that they're saving and they more they went from 10 meg to only 10 meg to us to now having 20 meg to us right. plus 20 to the internet and saving three thousand dollars a year yeah i mean emma clark was one of the install libraries we didn't have fiber to our building you know we had cable vision and stuff and from installation they had to run conduit underground the building and do all kinds of uh, amazing work it was flawless you know the whole transition was absolutely flawless and i think right after that we went over we went back over to innovative uh-huh. uh, as part of the consortia ils and that was flawless too so you know what you guys are doing works you know i can tell you firsthand we had to deal with it over at emma clark and it went perfectly so yeah the uh, the install was about 1.5 million dollars yeah. and that helped us with our uh, with our paperwork for for the state 
that we had to prove our, our savings when, when the state wanted us to prove our savings as a consortium. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah. They, you know, Light Tower ate, ate that whole fee yeah. for for getting 43 libraries and, and bringing in a five-year contract. That was the deal, that they would eat the entire construction. And Bobby, like you said, yeah. You were there. You knew they had backhoes on your lawn. They yep. were digging. They were doing, and that cost you nothing. There, yep. there was right. no fee to you at and all. The, and the service has been, you know, phenomenal. We haven't. I don't think we've had one outage, uh, you know, that wasn't planned for or something like that. It was, yeah, no squirrels. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> no squirrels. No squirrels. No. All underground. All underground. No squirrels there. over there. Yeah. So. And we were talking to Mr. Verbesey about it before the coordinated orders that you folks deal with and what it means to libraries. And some of our listeners may not know that the reason why libraries can keep the hours that they have and keep the staff that they have or even add staff and add resources is because you folks are doing all the heavy lifting and a lot of the hard work on this end to negotiate those kinds of deals with, with vendors like Light Tower or, or vendors like Overdrive that we could never afford to do on our own. That's true. Mm -hmm. So when listeners you know appreciate their library they should know that you know we're staying open saturdays and staying open sundays and being able to do the later nights and and keeping the staff and still meeting the budget cuts and still meeting the the promises or the three-year you know yeah. what, what they set up um because the heavy lifting on a lot of the services and the money that we're saving comes from scls well, in suffolk county it's a true partnership um yeah. We wouldn't exist without the libraries, and Vice libraries versa, can right, certainly yeah. exist without us. I mean, right. we're, we're state-mandated, but it's a true partnership. <laughs> <laughs> no, they can't. No, let's be honest <laughs> now, Roger. They couldn't. It's, yeah. a, it's a true partnership. They right. get out of, The libraries get out of it what they put into it. That's right. why we have 55 staff members. That's why we have a budget for the lending library. That's yeah. why we, we have all the things, because the libraries recognize the value. So, you know, we're here working for them. and. and yeah. Like I said, the things that are on the lending library come from their suggestions. You know, right. we want to provide you, you, the member libraries in Suffolk County, what you're looking for, yeah. and they have to be willing to support it. You yeah. know, Kevin always tells us, you know, we're willing to do whatever the libraries want as long as they're willing to pay for it. That's right. You yeah. know, that, right. that's it. So yeah. you want it, we'll, you know, and you're willing to pay for it. You yeah. know, SELS will work our best to make it happen. And what's great is you listen. Yeah. You're Last listening. week when we were mm -hmm. decorating mm -hmm. a float for a parade, I realized that would do anything for a library. That's pretty cool. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and, while, you know, while you're, uh, yeah, physically libraries could exist, I suppose, outside of the realm of SCLS. But they the wouldn't look the way they look. The, the support and the resources and the staffing that goes on in the libraries couldn't. There's no chance because they'd be trying to pay for these resources, which would be limited at best because the vendor would say, well, you're just one library, you know, whatever. You folks are speaking for 63 libraries, right, at many 56. times? 56. 56 libraries at many times. So, yeah, 63 locations. You know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, see that? So Smithtown always gets me because of the branches. You know? yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, but I think the support that. issue, I should have said something earlier and actually given credit to my staff. I do have people that run our support desk, and we are here from 7 in the morning till 9 at night. Uh, and on the weekends, we're here, and on Sundays. Wow. And we also, even if we physically aren't here, we have people that are taking calls. Yeah. And uh, they do a lot of stuff to support not just the ILS, but we have people supporting the libraries with overdrive questions and um, anything that comes in that they want to know about libraries or they, they put questions in there for Roger because they need to know how to do E-rate filing or whatever they need to know. Um, they have access to us pretty regularly. Yeah. and. You know, it's, a, it's a huge thing that we provide. Yeah. And if you have, you know from having your own ILS how many That's people right, yeah. it takes to keep that going. Yeah. Well, the hardware alone. I mean, from Emma yeah. Clark, we talked about this before with, uh, with Mr. Verbesey, but from the hardware alone that we had to maintain 
to have um, standalone innovative at Emma Clark was, you know, costly. So when we when we were looking at the budget cuts and then the, the promise to stay under the budget cap for, I think it was three years or so, mm-hmm. um, we were like, yeah, the consortium makes all the difference. And you gave us so many more resources for us to share with our patrons. They enjoy being able to share as a consortia, mm-hmm. uh, you know, partner instead of a standalone. It was a little mm-hmm. bit more difficult. So, but yeah, it's worked out great. Another um, program that we do for the libraries is our uh, venue, our our ticket sales. Mm. So we um, buy tickets from the Bronx Zoo or the Long Island Aquarium in bulk. And through that, we get a great discount. And the libraries can purchase these tickets and um, offer the savings to their patrons. So sometimes the discount is up to 50%. And we know today it's almost impossible if you have a family of afford to go to these venues and and not spend a ton of money. So uh, libraries are now doing this for their patrons and and passing the savings along. And this has been a very popular program. Last year, we spent $250,000 on tickets for these three venues. So it's not us because we passed that right on to the libraries. But that'll tell you a quarter of a million dollars that the library spent to save their patrons probably $150,000 yeah. in, in ticket sales pricing. So it, it's a popular thing, it, you know, to be able to tell your patron, if you want to go to one of these venues, come to us and we'll give you a ticket that instead of $27 is $15. So you're going to come to the library to get the ticket that gets you in the door, and then it's the library's job then to keep them coming in the door and keep them interested in programs and things right. that they have going on, but to get them in the door to be able to advertise that, You've got tickets for half price that, for, with no strings attached, right. other than coming in. Right. That's great. Mm-hmm. I mean, and just in terms of even with overdrive, I know that if you were if a library was trying to get the amount of titles, digital mm-hmm. titles, oh, yeah. it would be impossible to get the amount of titles that overdrive has now through SCLS. Yeah. I mean, just in terms of uh, patrons always come to me and say, well, how come we don't have this digital book? I say, well, what is it? And I'll write it down and send an email over to Chris or you know make the request and if it's available it's there and it's there fairly quickly yeah so that that's another great service i have to say i myself was impressed with that because i went to download a ebook that wasn't there and i made a request for it and like two days later i got noticed it was was so quick yeah yeah and that's something that's been evolving over time and it's just getting better and better and better yeah and overdrive one of our biggest questions at the reference desk is you know how do I get a digital book? Because it comes up in the catalog, which, again, is another great thing that they've actually merged those records into the catalog because now it gives it even more exposure. Um, how do I get this? Well, there's an app called Overdrive. Do you have a smartphone? Do you have a tablet? Do you have a PC? And now that starts the conversation. Right. And a lot of times, again, if we're dealing with seniors, uh, we don't even say, well, here's the instructions. Bring it in. Mm-hmm. And we'll set it. I, even, I don't explain it. I just set it up, and then I explain how it works. Because right. to set a process can be a little wonky if you're not really good with a device um, and depending on which device it is. So, you know, in terms of that service, you're getting people who wouldn't ordinarily use this service mm-hmm. because you have to pay per book or do, you know, do it this way or that way or maybe you have a really old Kindle and you don't want to deal with, oh, now I have to plug it in and Adobe mm-hmm. and all this other stuff. If we can facilitate that, yes. it makes the end user that much more likely to not only use the, the, the title that they've downloaded but to then go back and do it again. And then that just keeps the ball rolling. So now we have more buy-in from the public. So now we can get more things because we see it's being used. And it's just that it's that reciprocation 
that is just great. And that couldn't happen without SCLS. And do you know Roger has a download station at the airport at MacArthur? Oh, yeah. That's great. So That's really you can be going know. and waiting for your flight? Yeah, um, it's right outside the security desk, uh, located <laughs> at, at the airport. <laughs> it, it's right next to the ATM. It, there's the ATM security and our download station. Nice. Um, so, yeah, you can go there and check out anything that's on OverDrive and, and download it. And we have Flipster also. Um, right now it's just the OverDrive that we have there, and we're going to be getting a, uh, a new kiosk uh, from CoolNerd, nice. which will integrate anything that you have electronically so we'll we'll be able to offer at the airport the flipster the gutenberg collection anything that's public domain all of wow. these things we'll be able to offer right now we can only offer the overdrive because that's the kiosk right. we own but we're mm -hmm. buying a new kiosk hmm. that'll add to the the titles that are available so you're in a public place you're waiting for you know it benefits all of suffolk county you're, yeah. you're sitting there waiting for your flight and you can download something. You know, and it's marketing, yeah. too, right? It's yeah. marketing uh -huh. for sure. libraries yeah. as well. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's another that's item in the lending library is mm. overdrive stations. So we do have nice. libraries that have barred them and then set them up in remote areas in their communities. So, wow. um, you know. That's great. That's a yeah. great thing too. Like town we hall. Do, I, I know <laughs> yeah, Rogers Memorial has you know a town hall, hall meeting yes. every week, every right. year, and they borrow the kiosk and bring it out there just so that. You know, their representatives and, and their people in town are seeing that, here, you can download a book. This is how easy it is. We have e-books. These are the books that are available. Right. So it's a way of bringing that service directly out to them. And, and it's it's a nice color kiosk. You, know, like yeah. you can really, it pops. You get the book jackets. You see it. You can sample the books. So it's just a really nice service to kind of promote it. Yeah, Roger, do you have a second to talk about construction grants and any assistance that you guys that you folks sure. give when that stuff comes up because <laughs> I love you know a lot of yeah. libraries have taken have taken use you know with those things and we wanted a little bit more information for our listeners about how that process works and and sometimes there's a lot of money coming in and, mm -hmm. and how how it's divvied up and the work that you folks do to make sure each library is represented okay. so. well, again we differ than most systems in the state uh, the construction grant money is issued to the library system and then the library system uh, board votes to, to send the recommendations to the state. Um, we have a nine-member panel of member library directors who review this. So it's not SELS who's awarding you a grant. It's right. your fellow library directors. And they, they, they cannot be asking for one in the current year that they serve, and it changes every year. So we'll have nine members that will sit and review all the construction applications from the member libraries. And we have, you know, a whole formula and different criteria that, that they vote on and decide, you know, the, the amount of funding that each right. library will get so that the libraries know it, it's not SELS making the rules. This right. is your own colleagues out there, you know, nine members of them saying, you know, for, and it's broken up by zones. It's not all from one zone. It, it's broken up very much the same as our nine-member board members are by, you know, regionally here in the county. And, and your colleagues are voting on your project. Right. You know, there's criteria. It's not just, oh, because I like you or I don't like you, right. mm -hmm. which they all love each other. But there's, you know, there are factors involved and, and, and weighted scales, you know, if it's accessibility or if it's, you know, energy efficiency or d things like that. So Kevin and I here at the system will collect all of their applications and review them. And then we send out the narratives to the, to the, the group that are going to be uh, judging. And then they come in and we sit and spend a day going back and forth reviewing them. And they come out of it, and they vote 
on, on what it's going to be. Yeah. And then we bring it to the SCLS board and said, this is what the member libraries, you know, recommended for the other ones. And, and our board will pass it. And then it goes to the state. So we, we offer a lot of support. Um, I, I personally have walked roofs of many of libraries. I've been in their attics. I've been in their crawl spaces. You know, anytime they want to know about any construction things or any building operational, no. you know, things, I'll go out and talk to them. Um, this year, we have PSEG coming next week to talk about energy rebates. Last year, uh, North Babylon received $20,000 rebate on uh, HVAC work that they did, and he didn't even know he was qualified. I called wow. him, and I said, Mark, you need to, you know, hand in this paperwork, and he wow. only have two weeks. He got it done, and he got $20,000 back from wow. PSEG. So we, we look out for those things, yeah. see what's available, and then when the applications come in, I can then pass that information back to them saying, wow. you're doing this. This qualifies for a PSEG rebate or a national grid rebate or whatever it might be. Yeah. So we help them on that end also. That's cool. That is really great stuff. <laughs> Did you know really? about that? I did not. There you go. <laughs> so you learn something new every day. And you learned something today. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this has been great. This has been questions? awesome. Yeah. Like yeah. It. Really, really good. You know, we should we should pull um at the end of most of our segments we ask people uh, a top ten questions. You know, and so gra granted we don't have time for that, but but I'll I'll post a, a couple of questions to the group. One of which is. Uh, in a public library setting at Roger, I know that Emma Clark is your home library. There's a plug. For Another us, plug. Mm -hmm. You start so a new drinking game. What is your What is your favorite part of of your home library? Um, I would say the changes that they've made recently. Um, in the past, uh, the library wasn't as community friendly as as it could have been. Um, no, I. I I'm being honest, Ruth. You know, oh, he's, he's asking yeah, you that question. Right. I don't know if that was a smile or a wince. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I just think, you know, um, since Ted has been there, the, yeah. the new director, you know, he's he's changed directions a little bit, and the community feels more part of the library. Yeah. I know you guys redid, you know, there, there was an old section that had all, all the OPACs, and mm -hmm. that's all been made into new technology. And yeah. just the changes that are taking place, you know, re I'm really glad to see that it's moving forward with technology and moving yeah. forward instead of kind of remaining that we see trustees that you know come in and they say oh well i like the library quiet i like this right. well it's not about what you the person likes it's about what the community needs and That's what right, the community yeah. wants and i think you know taking that moving in that direction is really what i, I enjoy most about emma now going there right. and seeing things moving forward that's great aurora Oh, wow. Home library? <laughs> <laughs> My home library is the Patchogue Medford Library, and that's an outstanding library. Yeah. Especially the um, new children's library, yes, right? That's yes. Um, unfortunately, I don't get to visit there much, yeah. but I do work in a, a public library. I work at the Copeg Public Library, and I must say that what I love about public libraries is how they reach out and extend themselves to the community and yeah. not just a certain part of the community but all of the community yeah. like everybody who walks through the door in the library is welcome and treated with respect and and you know they the the people that work in libraries i feel very honored to work with the people that i, I do because they spend so much time going beyond themselves at the system and 
at, at, at the public libraries. And they spend so much time and effort in making these programs right for the people in their communities and the people that come through their doors. And, and each and every day I'm astounded at how much they do for yeah. for the members of the for the for the community. Yeah, you know, I'm amazed yeah. the programming, the workshops, the money, and the time that's spent behind the scenes. I yeah. just love it. Yeah, it's a great answer. Yeah, yeah it's great. You're next, Ruth. I'm next. <laughs> um, well, I think that what I notice because I visit libraries a lot, mm -hmm. and I'm in, a, in them, and I've worked in two other libraries before I came here, is that. Um, they all have their own feel and sort of taste and smell and uh, yeah. culture. Yeah. And, you know, you think you know what a library does. But then when you go in and you walk through the door, they all have something different to offer. And I, I like that, that, you know, they're all out there. They're looking for what's going on. They're looking at what people want. They're responding to it. And, um, and if I had to say what the one single thing is that everybody does, and that is just welcome. Yeah. They welcome everybody. Yeah. You know, they all kinds True. of people yeah. are welcome, and um, they they bring a sense of community, and um, and it's warm and fuzzy. Yeah, Can't I see that it. too. I mean, that's a good point. All, all the patrons seem to get the same level of service. Yeah, you know, yeah. it doesn't matter what, what you know where you come from or who you are. You know, you get the same treatment uh, across the board, and that's yeah, that's it's pretty amazing. Not too many places that are like that. No, <laughs> no. no. The community, the yeah. uh, customer service in the library is outstanding. Right. Yeah. And it has to be, right? Yeah. Because that's what we rely on. You know, if you give somebody a bad experience, next budget vote, you're going to know it you know, pretty quick, right? <laughs> it's <laughs> it's true. around pretty fast, you know? Yeah. So. yeah. Cool. Wow. Well, think? it's been great having you all yeah. on. Yeah, thank, thank you, guys. you guys. So yeah. much insight into, into SCLS. Yeah, that's uh -huh. awesome. And thank hopefully uh, people who are, who are from outside of Suffolk County or outside of New York will understand a little bit more about what, um, what a consortium is yeah. and, and what it's like to have shared services and have... Yeah. You know, a, a, an entity like the Suffolk County Suffolk Community. Oh, I did it again. Suffolk you did five bucks. Suffolk Cooperative <laughs> Library. He's got to write a check to yeah. SCLS. Yeah, I'm up like to what twenty dollars now. Bucks or, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. It's nice to know that you have that to lean to lean on and to fall back on. Yeah, it's it's really important to know. And our next uh, our next segment is going to be on outreach services, I believe, and we're going to have mm -hmm. Valerie Lewis. And uh, Ruth, you might stay around, and Aurora, you're more than welcome to stay around. Roger, if you want to hang out, we can get Samantha, too, yeah. So let's do yeah. that. Okay. Okay. So we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Be right back. Hey, I'm Bob Johnson. And I'm Chris DeCristofaro. All right. So we're here. We're back at uh, Suffolk Cooperative Library System. And Chris isn't gonna, is not going to say county anymore, right? I'm going to say cooperative. Yeah. I'm just going to say SCLS Every time Chris says Suffolk County Library System, he has to donate $5 to the oh, library. Did he get great. schooled? I'm up to about $30 by now. <laughs> $30 by now. So. Yeah. So thanks for, uh, thanks for coming back. And we're here with a whole group of people now. So we have Derek Ivey. We have Samantha Alberts. Valerie Lewis. And... I've got to get it right. Da Darla Salva Cruz. 
Perfect. Got it. All right, so, so let's start right off with Derek. Tell us uh, a little bit about what you do here and job title, that kind of stuff. Sure. So I'm Derek Ivey. I'm the Youth Services Coordinator here at SCLS. Uh, and basically what I get to do is I get to work with all the youth services librarians throughout the county at all of our member libraries. So I'm running trainings with them, running workshops, bringing guest speakers in. I also get to go out into the world and meet people to bring back here to work with them. Um, so anytime they have any questions or any problems, uh, maybe it's with a database or they have a question about a program that they're running, they can come to me and I get to help them with that. Um, and I work with Darla in Youth Services. Hi, yes, so I'm Darla Salvacruz. I'm the Youth Services Consultant. Um, so I work with Derek doing all of the wonderful things he just mentioned. I guess while we, we share, uh, we work with all of the, the children's and teen librarians um, in our member libraries, I focus a little bit more on children's while Derek focuses a little bit more on teen. Yeah, and I should mention that we also run some larger scaled yes. programs throughout the county. So we have one called Authors Unlimited and another called Battle of the Books. Yes. And so that involves all of our member libraries and even their patrons. Oh, so I guess um, my name is Samantha Albert. You guess your name is Samantha yeah. Albert? <laughs> yeah, oh, don't great. Pick on her. Can, we, can, we, can we guess? Don't pick on her. I know, it'll don't come back on me in spades. I know, I'll be in trouble. Um, I'm the Technology and Electronic Resources Supervisor here at the system. What I get to do every day is um, pretty much um, deal with your public services people. We do professional development for them, mostly adult um, librarians. We do partner with our youth services people also when it um, makes sense, just like yesterday. Uh, and then electronic resources. We make sure that you're connected to the county products and we also do trainings on that here and also in your libraries. Valerie Lewis. Oh, he says that with such... Well, like, there's such history. A, there's history there. There's definite history. <laughs> um, my name is Valerie Lewis. I am the Outreach Administrator for the Suffolk Cooperative Library System. I work with uh, all levels of library staff. Um, I am also the ADA compliance person for our public libraries in Suffolk County. Uh, in addition to outreach, I work with a variety of partners in Suffolk County, nonprofit organizations, uh, different companies, and with the county jails. We, as the outreach uh, area of the Suffolk Cooperative Library System, are responsible, responsible for providing reading materials to our two county jails. So we um, provide educational materials, we provide leisure reading materials, we also provide, now we started providing materials for the children of the inmates so that when the children come to visit, there is a book that their parent can read with them and then take home with them. Uh -huh. So we do a variety of things. We work with veterans organizations. Uh, we recently have a social work intern here at the library system, and we have the social work intern visiting a number of our public libraries so that we can better understand the needs of our public libraries and then find the appropriate resources that we can have posted on the gateway. Uh, I also want to mention that Derek Ivey, who spoke a couple of minutes ago, and I, we do the new SCLS Gateway News. So if you haven't seen Gateway News, it is always posted on the uh, SCLS Gateway. 
and we hope that you'll watch it every month because we try to highlight meetings and programs and different uh, new additions to SELS. So that's a way to keep you up to date along with this podcast. I guess, why don't Chris, why don't we start there? Why don't you uh, folks tell us a little bit more about the SELS Gateway, how it came to be, what it is, and how we get to it, that kind of stuff. Samantha? So the SCLS Gateway is, um, many years ago, there was a booklet called the SCLS um, Guide to Programs and Services. Um, It was a book, and it was not updated that often. Uh, So I guess this is about 10 years ago, 8 years ago, they decided it made sense to be online. And we started with a very, um, the first... um, Gateway was actually a PB Wiki site. Um, the new Gateway, which was launched a couple of years ago, is um, much more integrated. It's a one-stop place for the libraries to go to to see what's going on um, at system, but also uh, to maybe answer some questions about what's going on or if you for instance we do interlibrary loan here the interlibrary loan manual would be found on the gateway if you're trying to do something with Sierra there's a lot of um, resources um, their instructions uh, to do stuff in Sierra Uh, the programs you can register there what else would you say just pretty much what SCLS is there's also staff um, there's a staff directory, not just for us, but for the libraries. If you want to know who's the person who's head of adult at that library, a couple of library towns over, you can go to that, and that's um, maintained and updated by your library, but that's also there. That's cool. <laughs> teen services. Yeah. Let's talk teen services for a minute, because it seems to be, um, this is something that has been really been blossoming over the past eight to ten years. Tell me how the system has been, how they've changed in supporting teen services. So you're incredibly correct in saying that it really has blossomed within the uh, recent years. I mean, YA services wasn't even something that was thought about um, quite a few years ago. So um, if you look at a lot of libraries in general now, when they were built, if they were built over a decade ago, it wasn't even taken into account for there to be a YA area there, a place for teens to go, to have programming, to have their books. Um, And really going along with that, young adult literature has grown in popularity as well. I mean, you even see a lot of adults reading young adult literature now. Um, So just the thought of YA or teen services as a whole has really grown and that's why it's exciting for me to be here because uh, like Darla said before we both work with children's and young adult librarians but my specialty going through getting my master's degree and my own experience in libraries with was with teen services so you know a lot of what we do with teen services is that we have young adult department head meetings here we're offering trainings on things like um, mental health for children and young adults. We're running things about drug abuse workshops and um, even just supporting your teens through community service because now so many teens are coming into our doors because they're part of the National Honor Society. And they need their community service hours. hours. Yeah, so it's kind of like uh, literally today I had uh, the community service roundtable where librarians can come and say, I'm getting 
inundated with tons and tons of teens that need 10 hours of community service right. next week. You know, what do I do? What do they do? Right. Yeah. right. right. Um, so even just opening up a line of communication between the librarians and the department heads in the county for teen services, um, we're all here to learn from each other um, and to communicate. And sometimes when uh, we're in our own buildings, that's where we are. That's where we're working. So to be able to come out to a place like System um, and sit together in a room, you know, have a clementine or two and talk about <laughs> <laughs> community service, I think is really important for them. Uh, so yeah, it really is growing, it's blossoming, and more and more and more within Suffolk County, I'm seeing um, more support on the administrative level for teen services because it really is important, you know, for these teens that come and find a place where they can kind of be themselves, express themselves in, in a safe environment, you know. And it is something now where it, for a while you were a kid and then it kind of, there was this big gap and it didn't, you didn't start to see people come back until they had kids. Now we've kind of filled that in with, with the teen services and now with now the, uh, what are they, new adult committee and new adult outreach, we're trying to get the 20-somethings in, which now seems to be the, you know, the, the hardest group to get in. Right. And do you actually work in regards to that as well? Um, I really haven't been that involved with the new adult. I think um, new adults are kind of an interesting group. Um, I think for a while, nobody knew who should handle young adults. Mm. Is that children's department or is that adults? Now they have their own librarians. I think that's happening now with new adults. Where do they lie, right? Because right. many young adult rooms go from 12 to 18 years. And then you age, age out and you can't go in anymore. Right, right. exactly. Yeah. Um, so now it's like, where do they, where do 20-somethings go? Where does this new generation go? I don't have kids yet. I'm not there to go to story time, but I might be too old to, you know, run a video game program with an eighth grader, you know. Um, mm -hmm. So, uh, I mean, I've worked with the uh, the new adult. The yeah, the committee, I think, goes back committee. and forth yeah. between um, adult and teen. Um, I think libraries actually are the first chance a lot of people have um, the, you know, we work in multi-generational workspaces, right, right? Yeah. when we get, you know, older. And I think um, libraries, and especially the adult section, is a lot of times that first place that maybe teens and new adults have an opportunity to experience that to a degree and the, the programming mm -hmm. of that. So I think um, new adults are in that weird, like they're going back and forth. Um, and like you said, I think we're just, you know, that's it's a new opportunity, so it's super exciting. But yeah, and I think right now it's really about a discovery of what that age group wants right. from their library. You know, are they looking for a place where they can get together with other twenty-somethings to play some board games, or do they want to have a book club? You know, sometimes you can do a book club at a local bar. You know, it sure. affords that opportunity to move out of the building to make more community contacts and hold programming off-site if that's what that right. particular group is looking for. And yeah. I think they're different too. It depends mm -hmm. on what group of new adults you're talking, especially on Long Island, because you got those, you got a lot of new adults who are um, maybe out on their own and they are looking to the library for entertainment, um, and and because they can't, because they are living on their own and they that they're, all their right. money is going to whatever wherever they're living. Mm -hmm. And then you have a lot of new adults who um, they do have a little spending money because they um, they have a cheap place to rent, you know, with their parents, right? And um, they're they're looking for 
you know, they have a little money spent to spend, but they're looking for places to go, like you said, that, that and that's where that outreach opportunity is with, with that group of new adults. Mm -hmm. yeah. Great. Um, so tell us a little more about the uh, the bigger programs that you do. You mentioned Authors Unlimited and the Battle of the Books. And tell us how that stuff comes together and, and all that great. That is, I mean, both of them, it's really a team effort. I'm so lucky to work, have Darla with me, and we have someone else in our department. Her name is Patty Kloss. Um, and so... Um, Really, Authors Unlimited is something that's really fun. Uh, it's actually taking place on Saturday, April 22nd. Uh, and basically what that is is that we get in touch with some publishers and we ask if they would be willing to have one of their young adult or middle grade authors come out to St. Joseph's uh, College in Patchogue. Uh, and basically they get to sit on a panel and teens get to hear from them about what it's like being a writer, where do you get your ideas from. And then after a panel, we actually have smaller breakout sessions where they can get some maybe one-on-one -on -one time with them. Wow. And you know, it's always very much like, what classes did you take in school right, to yeah. become a writer now? Or what do you do when you get writer's block? <laughs> um, so that's really planned centrally here at SCLS. And we get to talk to the publishers and bring uh, the authors in, but we have a great committee that we work with um, that's made up of about 12 librarians from a bunch of our different member libraries and so they have all their tasks whether it's registration or teen volunteers to work on uh, that for that day um, but that's a, a day-long event that's from 10 to 3 registrations um, open now yeah so authors unlimited dot org mm -hmm. and it's geared towards teens but anyone can come and we love to see our librarians if you're free yeah. on that Saturday yeah <laughs> so that starts I figure it takes place in April it probably takes about six seven eight months of planning yeah as, well, from first reaching out to publishers and getting authors on board um, and then Battle of the Books. So Battle of the Books has been in place way before I even got to Suffolk County. Um, that just celebrated its 20th anniversary last wow. year. Okay. Um, and so Battle of the Books has um, teams from different libraries throughout the uh, county coming together. These kids who um, are entering sixth grade through ninth grade read the same eight titles throughout the summer and then come together on a Saturday in August and they are asked the tiniest detailed questions like what happened when he wore that orange cone on that day with that character and they remember it it's incredible that's so fun. that's a two-day event that goes from about you get to say let's get ready to roll I've never said that, but maybe I will this year. We need um, to bring that in. That's yeah, important. Absolutely. Really get them riled up. <laughs> but we can provide the microphone. We'll, the drop down mic, we'll, we'll do that. And then <laughs> that just, is just really exciting. We could get it to work on the trailer that you guys have now. You just bring <laughs> it down. <laughs> Wheel me through yeah. Stony Brook's campus. <laughs> so let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> exactly. I am very excited about this. And after we all get out of jail, we can <laughs> have Battle of the Books. We've broken so. all the sound permits that we agreed That's to, right. but <laughs> it's fine. Uh, so that takes place on on a Saturday in August, and that goes from about 7 a.m. to about 9 p.m. We, this year, I believe, have 42 libraries wow. that have teams coming together. Uh, and then we have the final kind of championship rounds the following Monday. Yeah. Um, so it's a lot of prep, but it's a lot of fun. I mean, with both of these programs, what it really is is the payoff of that day. You're surrounded by right. um, teens who love reading. They all show up in costumes. Yeah. Um, I did Battle of the Books when I was in grade school, and we made T-shirts, and we thought we were pretty cool. So this year was my first battle working here at SCLS, and the teens show up in, like, some of the costumes 
Full they could be at Comic Con. Oh wow! In for yeah. sure. So intense. They get so yeah. into it. It's amazing. Last year they were like furball tumbleweeds going yeah. through the hallway. Glitter everywhere. Everybody was just like shedding throughout the day. Oh, it's yeah, it's really funny. incredible. I'm, I'm telling you, it's kind of this magical moment when I'm on that stage and I'm looking at an audience of about 200 kids yeah. who have spent their summer at the library right. reading. Yeah. It's like, yes, this is why we're here. This is what we're doing this for. It's it's really a blast. It's a lot of fun. It's become incredible. It really is. Yeah. yeah. I think the patrons look forward to it. I like to think the librarians look forward to it. Yeah. I look forward to it. It's a badge of honor, too, if you win. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. You get to hang the Battle of the Books plaque in your library for a year. Um, I picked it up once from a library, and as I was walking out the door, a mother of one of the kids said, you know, you're just going to be bringing that back next year. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's intense. It's an it's aggressive, uh, yeah. so wow, okay. <laughs> That's great. And, you know, it's great to see that, you know, teen services really has... Now, is it teen or is it YA? Are we still juggling back and forth with that? I think that YA is on our side, whereas teens know themselves as teens. Teens. Mm -hmm. So, like, the the library lingo is young adults, YA. Um, Fits easier on a spine label, right? Exactly. Sure, it fits on there real nice. Uh, But in my own experiences, there were, when I got to a library, in, when I worked uh, at the New York Public Library, I had a sign that said "YA Fiction," and a kid walked into this section. He looked at me. He said, "What's ya fiction?" <laughs> <laughs> so that was like that number one rule of your reference course in yeah. getting your MLS was like, don't use jargon with folks that are coming into the library to use it for the first time. I was like, all right, I have to change that. He doesn't know what YA means. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Now people all across the county are taking down their ya signs. <laughs> <laughs> Redo it. So. Or they're putting exclamation points after the YA. Oh, yeah, that's possible. that makes it more exciting. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us about children's. Tell us about some of the work you do with children's. Oh, um, we do we do a lot. Um, yeah. Some of the big initiatives right now um, in the past couple of years, there's a big focus on early literacy. Um, so this is working with librarians who then work with parents and caregivers to establish best practices to help children get ready to read and ready to learn. Um, so these are ways you would interact with a child to nurture um, healthy brain growth and development. So as our knowledge of this very fascinating time in a child's life deepens and deepens, we've learned more and more about what's going on in their brain when you talk to a baby. Um, so for example, one of the things we've learned is that um, how many unique words a baby hears in the early years of their life has um, there's a correlation with their performance in school so ALA um, and ALSC have created an initiative called babies need words every day because there's there's a word gap um, between socioeconomic classes and how many words a baby hears. You know, if the, if the baby's parents are working two jobs versus right. someone who has a caregiver or a parent able to stay home, that that baby whose parents are working is going to hear noticeably thousands fewer right. words in their first years of life. So this is something that we try to address through the library and other things too, not just this. Um, so a lot of the professional development that we've been bringing in for our children's librarians has focused around this. Um, coming up on April 3rd, we have 
um, Dr. Jill Stamm from the New Directions Institute in Arizona coming to teach our librarians about early childhood brain development, um, specifically how to talk to parents about it in a way that's accessible, because when you start talking, talking to them about, you know, synapses firing and right. neural pathways developing, you know, they're busy. They don't want to hear it right. necessarily. <laughs> Some of them might, but, you know. So will my kid like this book? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so she's going to talk to our librarians about how to talk to parents um, and teach them about a program called Brain Time, which is specifically focused around that, around helping parents understand what's happening. That's very cool. stuff. Did you know that was happening? Children's librarianship is a mystery to me. <laughs> <laughs> and the funny thing is, you know, all this this science, very sciencey sounding stuff, yeah. the program that'll come out of it'll be like Mother Goose. Right. So you don't really right. know exactly. <laughs> behind yeah, yeah. behind your like you know, ten and little me. fingers and ten little toes is us right. thinking like we want them to be thinking about counting before they even know how to talk. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also for our children's librarians, um, we run a pro um, a larger conference every other year. We share yes. it with Nassau Library System, um, and we work with CLASC, which is our local children's yeah. um, association out here in Suffolk County. Um, so we have a literature conference every other year that we host, where we bring in two guest speakers either an illustrator or an author, um, and then they have book discussion groups on specific topics where they can kind of talk about yeah. books and what works about them and who we can give them to. Um, and I mean, anybody's welcome, but it's really geared more towards kind of um, our, our children's librarians as well. Yeah. That really is cool stuff. Yeah, that is I mean, cool. it, I, my knowledge of it goes back to baby Einstein. So, I mean... Yeah, but now they're not supposed to watch TV, right? Yeah, there's a bunch. So my my kids are going to be well, like, you know, it's funny. Or it's something. like every other day they're changing things. Um, but I think I think the I don't remember the name of the organization. The Organization of American Pediatricians, which used to say no screens before age five, then age three, then age two, and now they're saying quality screen time. So like well, you can read an ebook yeah, exactly. with a grown up. You know, don't. Don't just hand a baby your right. phone, but talk to them about what they're seeing on the phone, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, you, you know what we talk to our friends about is uh, the concept of a digital babysitter. So mm. I find a, a bunch of our friends that have just had kids, you know, seem to plop them down in front of the TV and then walk yeah. away. And I'm like, mm -hmm. you realize that, that that quality time with your child that you could be having with them as a parent has now been taken up by... You know something ridiculous. You know, right. so. but a half hour isn't that bad. It's not a yeah. half hour. Daddy needs a half hour break. No, it's literally like <laughs> it's like you know, mommy or daddy has had enough. You know, sit down here for three hours until you fall asleep. Yeah, that's it's like, I see that happen all the time, and I'm thinking, that's that can't be good. You know, that's just. Yeah, and I and I mean I, I think a lot of what Darla was just talking about as far as early literacy concern really kind of hones back to the point that they need to have more time yeah. listening and yeah. hearing yeah. from sure. parents. Yeah. Absolutely. And and helping the parents understand that it's not just because right. it feels like it's the right thing to do, that's why you do it. It's right. because it's literally this is going shaping to their brains. Demonstrably impact yeah. how yeah. well they perform in school and how well their social right. functions will develop, stuff like that. But you made a good point, so that these households are continually coming from two income, you know. Um, parents, so you, so each parent is working, and they get limited time with their child. You know, and, th and this is they have to prepare dinner and do homework and whatever they're doing, and or schoolwork. If because a bunch of our friends are teachers, and they mm -hmm. have to go back, so their child kind of gets left, in, you know, on the side almost. Mm -hmm. So right, you yeah, you and library, yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah, so. It happens a lot more than than it used to. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, I think the sh the shape of families is changing a little bit right now. Yeah. Like you said, a lot of our librarians say that they see a lot of grandparents coming yeah. in with yeah. yeah. children to story times because their parents are scheduled right. elsewhere. Yeah. They're working. They're at work, yeah. and so. Yeah. 
um, a lot of grandparents are becoming kind of parents second yeah. time around. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, it's really changing. The framework of families in, in our current society has shifted for sure. Yeah. And a lot of parents are becoming caregivers for their parents. Mm -hmm. right. mm -hmm. They're yeah. having right. a, almost a, I hate, you know, it's, they took care of their kids and now they're taking care of their mm -hmm. parents. Mm -hmm. so. so that's actually a great segue yeah. to Valerie. <laughs> <laughs> Or as, You're say, welcome, or as we Thank say, or as we say, Thank you, Samantha. Um, well, um, as I mentioned before, we do a lot of different outreach things here at the library system uh, to kind of flip what Derek and Darla were just talking about. Um, one of the county agencies that I work very closely with is the Office of the Aging and the uh, Department of Health Services. And according to the Department of Health Services, the only population of people that are growing on Long Island are seniors. Uh, young couples are not having the number of babies that people used to have. And young people, once they are of age, are moving away because we don't have really good employment options for people to stay here. In terms of outreach services, some of the direct programs that we do with our member libraries, one is the Talking Book Program, the National Library Service for the Blind and Physically Handicapped, which is in Washington, D.C. Uh, we are also working with our libraries in regard to the Music and Memory Program. There is a growing incidence of people living with Alzheimer's, uh, different dementias, and other types of degenerative neurologic diseases. So we have uh, 17 of our member libraries who are participating in offering music and memory to their patrons. In addition to the music and memory, um, as I said, I work with the different veterans organizations. We work very closely with the VA. We also work with the Joseph P. Dwyer Veteran Peer Support Group. All of these different veterans organizations provide a variety of programs for veterans and their families. We also work closely with the Association for Mental Health and Wellness. They've done many programs for us here at the library. Um, Derek and I have both provided mental health first aid training for our librarians. I work very closely with different language advocacy groups uh, so that we can provide as much ESL resources as we can and guide people toward those resources. I work um, alongside many of the county agencies and nonprofit, as I said earlier, to bring them into the fold of the public library. We need partners in the community. We need the police, we need um, healthcare organizations, we need nonprofit organizations that are looking to do public speaking, they're looking to get people to come in for their services, just like we want people to come in for our service. It's a pretty common theme for the day, I think, is that they're here. You know, SCLS exists to hear what the member libraries need. Absolutely. And the contact is very simple. You can reach out to all the people here and give them an idea, and maybe they'll develop it into something that uh, they can help the other libraries get involved with. Too. Sure, and if you have a question, you can always reach out because they're there to help to listen. Well, right, you guys? make a good point. I mean, not, I mean, not only if you have questions, which of course we want, we want your questions, and we want you to come visit, um, but we want your ideas. Yeah. If you have ideas, if you have something that you think won't fly, if you have something that you've just been thinking about for two years on the back burner, right. and you need somebody to help you get that off the ground, <clears throat> excuse me, then 
we want to help you. I mean, that's what we're here for. And um, we have the resources in many cases in terms of technology, in terms of, you know, valuable staff who can help you think these ideas through and offer them to your community. That's what we're here for. That's the idea because you may not be able to do it under your own library's resources. It's true. So reach out to the system and they can take it and work with you, right? Sure. Pretty cool. Yeah, I always say that um, our librarians' patrons are the public. Our patrons are the librarians. That's right. right. Yeah. We are here to answer those questions <clears throat> for you. And even if there is something that you want to learn about, that's what we're here for. Right. We can maybe bring someone in to talk to you about that's it. That's right. Um, I know that I have librarians who had asked me, you know, we want training on making our teen room a safe space for LGBT teens in our communities. Yeah. So we reached out to the Long Island Gay and Lesbian Youth Organization here on Long Island. We brought someone in and they taught them everything they could possibly know and they answered any questions they possibly had. Um, and it feeds back to just as libraries, we are there for everyone in our community. Right. Yeah. You know, And if we can you know, help our librarians think of a better way to serve a certain population or just learn about another population, um, we are happy to do that for them. That's right. Thank you both or all for coming in. Thank you. Um, and, and for having us. Oh, we got a name. We'll thank our guests, you know, individually. Go ahead. You want, oh, do you want to do it? No, you can no, do I it. It's okay. Yeah, okay. No, <laughs> honestly, a special thanks to all of our guests today, but especially you for for, for hanging out with us and yes, seeing it through. It's been it's been a, it's been a great experience for all of us. So Derek Ivy, thank you so much for coming out. Samantha Alberts, thanks for coming out. Valerie Lewis and Darla Salvacruz, got it. Thank thanks you guys for, for coming thanks. out. Thank, thank you. you so much. Great, great time. Thank you. So that's all the time we have for this edition. If you have any questions or comments, be sure to go to our Contact Us page and on our website, thelibrarypros.com, where we'll have notes and links from uh, our episode with all our great guests today. If you get a chance, check us out on Twitter, at The Library Pros, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thelibrarypros. And so you don't miss a thing, don't forget to subscribe on our RSS feed, iTunes, Android, email, and Google Play. Remember, the opinions stated by the library pros and their guests are solely those of Chris and Bob and the guests, and not those of the Sachin Public Library, Emma Clark Library, or any other library. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Library Pros Podcast. The Library Pros are brought to you by Pippet Productions and by the Library Pros themselves, Krista Cristofaro and Bob Johnson. Special thanks to Sachin Public Library for providing space for this podcast. Until the next turn of the page, I'm your announcer, Carlton Welch.